Welcome everyone to another episode of King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. Paul and I are here to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling. We've got some news and notes, but before we get into that, Paul, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. It's been a great weekend. Lots of New it, Japan Pro Wrestling. It has been a crazy week for wrestling. Besides yeah. all the, I mean, we're not going to talk about it, but besides all the New Japan stuff, we also, I know we both watched the Greatest Royal Rumble ever, which was like <laughs> a five hours of my life I'm not getting back, but... Yeah. I mean, between that and all the Road 2 shows, and we have the Raw and SmackDown coming up, we have Wrestling Dantaku coming up, it's it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, but it's it's a job right now. you got to really love it to watch all these Road 2 shows. Oh, yeah. No, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, we, we dropped the bonus episode, which, honestly, at the time that this episode drops, there may still be some technical difficulties. I don't know that it's actually on iTunes yet. It's only available on the website. Uh, but I was talking about the Shimmer shows that I went to, and I kind of added it up, and it was like in the, from the span of WrestleMania through Shimmer with the Road to Dantaku stuff. Every, I, like, I probably literally watched close to, you know, like 40 hours of wrestling over the course of, like, 10 days. It was, it was crazy. Oh, it's um, insane. And you know what? It, it, we're going to get a little tiny bit of a break here because we're going to get just the, the wrestling Dantaku shows. But yes. then we got to gear ourselves up because right after that, not too far after, is the best of the Super Juniors. Yes, which you know which is a perfect segue and, because that's one of the yeah. things in news and notes that I wanted to talk about. Um, and you know, it was interesting because we don't know all of the competitors yet, but they did drop that poster. Well, some of the wrestlers posted it. Uh, it wasn't even necessarily like an official New Japan drop, but the wrestlers were posting pictures of the the poster that had like thirteen of the competitors on there, um, and those competitors were Will Osprey, Kushida, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, Marty Skrull, Bushi, Tiger Mask, Rusuke Taguchi, uh, Taguchi, excuse me, uh, Sho, Yo, uh, Kanemaru, El Desperado, Dragon Lee, and Flip Gordon. Real quick, it could be that Dragon Lee might not be able to make it because of the knee issues, the, the leg issues. Uh, actually, not knee, excuse me. I think it was his quad. Um, but he was in the gym already, and, and this past week, I, you know, it hasn't seemed like there's any uh, chance that they're dropping him from it. Uh, and then, of course, we've got three more competitors in there. I don't know. What are your thoughts on all of them? Oh, I mean, you got to love the people that are in there, just that mm-hmm. we know of. I mean, you basically have the who's who of the junior division in New Japan, right? Yeah. Um, I'm thrilled that Flip Gordon's in there, which yeah. I think we kind of saw coming after they they showcased him on the on a rising shows, and yep. he got a pretty good crowd reaction. Um, so who knows? I mean. Uh, you know you're going to get great matches, so sometimes, as long as we have the big names in it, it's just a plus some of the other people they're going to add. So here's a question for you. Uh, what are the chances that, uh, and, and, and I don't necessarily think that this is a realistic possibility, but what are the chances that, you know, we've got three competitors left, Rey Mysterio Jr. ends up being one of those entrants? Would love it. I, I, I don't know. I would think it's, I think it's probable, personally. Well, if not probable, it's possible. It's sure. better, and it's it's more possible than say like oh it's a long shot. We know he's physically capable of wrestling now, at least somewhat. I mean, yeah. I know. I mean, he, he looked was great in, in that Greatest Royal Rumble, honestly. But that's also the kind of match that you can hide some stuff. So yeah, but he's he did not one hundred percent bumps. Yeah, and he did his big moves. So I would think he's physically ready. The mm-hmm. only thing that I think would, that would hold them back, there's only two reasons I, that I could think of. One is he's going to work a little bit more with WWE. Yeah. Or two, they don't want to put him in this, and they want to hold off and put him in the singles match with uh, Jushin Liger, and then maybe go after Osprey or whoever has the belt at that point. Maybe, they, but you know what I mean? Like they don't want to give us too so much Rey Mysterio so quickly. 
and dilute yeah. his his impact. Um, I could see possibly because you're talking about how many matches are you going to be in in this? Uh, how many people are in each block? Ten. Uh, eight, eight. Because I think the total is going to be yeah, 16. Yeah, you're right. So there's yeah. going to be, you're going to have at least seven matches. Right. So I don't know if they want to want to do that that fast. I know I completely agree. That's why I'm, I, I don't think it's going to be the case either. However, I mean, it, it's interesting to at least sort of speculate on if he was going to be sort of like a surprise entrant. Um, but I think it does make more sense if he's got a he has a few big singles matches with the people like you're talking about as opposed to coming in and being a part of this tournament, especially knowing that I mean, let's face it, he's not going to win the tournament because that's not really what the tournament is about. The tournament, in my opinion, really has three guys named on it, and it's either Osprey, Kushida, or my pick, Hiromu. And 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 I just don't think. That's not to say that there aren't going to be great matches from other people, that other people aren't going to spoil things, and you know, you're going to have those three guys drop a couple of matches along the way, just like you do in G1. Well, let's but, explain, too, for people that maybe are new to this. Explain what the winner gets. Hmm. So, um... Because we might have... We have people that might be new that came in off Wrestle Kingdom and don't understand exactly what we're talking about. Right. So, the Best of the Super Juniors, it's it's an annual wrestling tournament uh, that New Japan has been running, um, you know, since... Uh, I think the, the first tournament was actually in 88, but it didn't become an annual tournament until 91. Um, so, there's been, like, a total of 28 tournaments in all. Um, and typically, you've got... Um, Wrestlers from other promotions as well, so it's not just limited to New Japan and international stuff. Uh, but the yeah, the I mean, the winner typically ends up in addition to getting like the cup and you know all the pomp and circumstances that goes with that, also gets the uh, the junior title shot, uh, similar to like with with the G one with getting the IWGP heavyweight shot. Now, when do um, they get the title shot? Uh, is it set or is it just a, they get a title shot further down the line or do they get know, the title that, shot at Dominion? That's a really good question and I honestly don't have the answer. It's, it's so the, so I think it's at Dominion, but I don't know that it's always I, been I that don't, way. I don't know if it's and, and maybe somebody can answer this first. I don't know if it's set. It has to be Dominion or if it just kind of works out that way a lot of times, but. You know, like you said, well, and it has a bearing on it because you know if the, if the winner is going to get a title shot at Dominion, you're not going to get a long shot, most right. likely. Where right. if it's at another show, you would have the possibility. It's kind of like the New Japan Cup, where they'll take a chance and put a Zack Saber winning it to put him against Okada at a, like a Sakura Genesis. But if the winner was going to get it at Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion, he wasn't going to win it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And and I, and I will say that for the past few tournaments, that yeah, the the title shot at Dominion has been uh, has been the case. Um, I'm just trying to refresh my memory with last year uh, with Kushida because um, he won the tournament, um, but I don't think he was... Yeah, he was he was not the champion, but he did go on to Dominion and he and he and he beat Hiromu. That's right. Okay, so it's so, going to be Dominion. Yeah, so it'll definitely be a Dominion. Um, so it's yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of their you know their spotlight and it's and it's and, sort of, and I'm it, with you. I think it's going to be Hiromu unless yeah. unless Kushida beats Osprey for the belt. I could see Osprey winning to get his shot back. But if I could. I don't yeah. think that's what will happen, but I think if Osprey, I feel if Osprey wins at Wrestling Dantaku, he's going to be done with Kushida for a little bit, and it makes the most sense to go against Hiromu. And I could see Osprey, yeah, I could see Osprey getting it because the interesting thing is, is since they've kind of put him 
on you know on par with Kushida, who I think that it's obvious that you know they think of Kushida as being you know their their premier junior heavyweight, and I think that they have absolutely put Osprey right there with him, uh, and, and, and they mesh so well together anyway that it would be very easy to see Osprey getting his second best of the super juniors and, and kind of again going you know tournament for tournament if you will with Kushida because Kushida's also got a couple under his belt so um I could see that again I, I'm I'm hoping for Hiromu I think that it, it, in a lot of ways he's just gotten so incredibly good and especially you know them not winning the um junior tag titles to me, just sets the table perfectly for Hiromu to go win this tournament and end up challenging for the belt. Whether or not he wins it or not, I just think that it sets things up in a nice way to to have him, you know, go through that tournament and end up having that title shot, not being a tag champ. Whereas if he, you know, they'd won those tag titles, it would kind of seem like eh, like with Show and Yo, you know, yeah. Show and Yo probably aren't going to win. Not only because you know they're they're younger and newer, but also because they're a tag team. They're you know they're, they're that's their thing right now. Yeah. Um, so, oh, and, but, and just for the, for anybody that doesn't know, it's not a single elimination tournament. It's yes. it's more like the G wanted. There's two blocks. You wrestle everybody in your block, and round then the two robin, block. Yeah. It's a round robin. So we're we're talking about a bunch of nights and at least seven matches for each competitor. So it's not like it's it's not like the New Japan Cup. It's more like the G one for juniors. Right. Right. And again, there are always going to become some some surprises in there. Like, for instance, last year, you know, with um, Kushida, for instance, who did end up winning overall, he actually ended up dropping matches to uh, ACH, El Desperado, and Tiger Mask. And so it's kind of interesting to see that. It's like, oh, wow, you know, he dropped these matches, whereas Osprey only dropped two matches instead of the three. And those matches were to Marty Skrull, which makes sense because Skrull is you know, his his nemesis in so many ways, as much as Kushida is. Uh, and then he dropped the other match to Tai Chi. So it's like, it, there's there's always kind of those surprises along the way. And that's, yeah, no I mean, well, you get Tai that Chi, the, but come on. <laughs> you get that in the G1, too. You'll have yeah. guys like, I think last year, Okada dropped matches in the G1. Uh, you know, not a yeah. lot. I, I know we well, dropped to Kenny. And so and it's, it's a great opportunity for some people to score an upset over the champion in a non-title and then be able to hold that over them for a later, later argument. Absolutely. Uh, And I think that, you know, kind of moving the conversation forward a bit, that the other interesting thing is, is having those three spots, uh, we can kind of talk about one of those other pieces of news, which is Bone Soldier. The, basically at this point, it's it's all but confirmed um, that Bone Soldier will not be Captain New Japan. Uh, It will not be the same. Yeah, right. Um, So it's not going to be Mitsuhide uh, Hirasawa. Um, and that the rumors going around is that it will actually be, um, Ishimori, uh, who is, I I mean, honestly, probably one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. There are a lot of guys that would say that, uh, um, Teiji Ishimori, who has been a, uh, GHC junior heavyweight tag team champion, a GHC junior heavyweight champion, actually their longest reigning in pro wrestling, Noah. Um, and he's actually been, uh, for those that care, an Impact X Division champion as well. Um, he's been wrestling in um, PWG. He's, he's, he's you know, done some stuff with Impact. Uh, he, he's done some AAA stuff. So he's, he's certainly been um, a freelancer as of late. And, and, and the thought is, is that he's going to come in, be Bone Soldier, and that he will be a part of the tournament. Yeah, uh, which he I think just... would be great. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. He just wrestled too at Impact's last pay per view. That's right. Redemption. He did. Yeah, yeah, he was part of um, a six way match, which he didn't win. Brian but Cage won, right? Yeah. yeah. So that was the pay per view that I actually talked to you. I texted you. I would have loved to have gotten because I wanted to see the Pentagon Junior match versus versus Austin Aries and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But I was not spending $40 at this point to see an Impact show. No, no. And the thing is, is while I hear that it was probably one of the best things that they've done in quite a while, that it still was sort of like, it was just kind of there. Which, you know, hey, we're not here to talk about Impact, so whatever. If they're uh, not under contract, I mean, I would love it. I mean, I don't think they'll be there. But how great would it be to see, like, Pentagon Junior or Phoenix in the uh, Super Juniors? Dude, I would. Uh, so here's the thing: like Pentagon Junior has a really good character and does some great stuff. But Phoenix, Phoenix is incredible. I've got, I've had the pleasure of being able to see Phoenix live a number of times because he wrestled for AAW quite a while and and uh, was their champion. Phoenix is is awesome. I would love to see Phoenix in this tournament. I don't think that's going to happen because of uh, uh, Lucha Underground stuff. But I think Phoenix would be great. I, I have a feeling that more than likely we're going to end up getting you know like a, a pro wrestling Noah. Um, you know, junior heavyweight in the tournament. And, and honestly, I don't follow Noah enough at this point. I used to, um, but I don't follow enough at this point to really even know who, you know, who the champions are. Um, I guess it's Daisuke Harada is their current champion. Um, Ishimura was actually the, the last one. But I, I, I would I would say that if, if I was a betting man, Ishimori potentially is Bone Soldier in the tournament. Somebody from Pro Wrestling Noah, and then that yeah, I mean that third that sixteen spot, if you will, is is kind of a wild card. I have no idea, you know, who they're going to put in there. Well, it'll be it'll be a wild card. It'll be somebody cool, most likely, or somebody we're interested in, but it won't be somebody that's going to win. Right. But that's not right. what the spot's about. So no, no. Ooh, I just knocked over a speaker. If you heard that thought. <laughs> oh, and speaking of noise, I was supposed to tell everybody. Um, I am home. The only person home with me right now is my son, who's downstairs playing Fortnite, which I guess he always does. So if all of a sudden you hear a kid scream in the background, we're not going to edit it out or go back. So it's going to just have to be part of the charm of the show if you hear it. Yeah. Just so nobody's flavor. trying to figure out what that noise is in the background, <laughs> like a kid in pain. It's a kid losing at Fortnite. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, shout out to Liam. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, I think other. I news was so we- hoping. I was before we get off that. Am I yeah. the only one too that was kind of really hoping that Bone Soldier turned out to be Kiyomura? No, I, I don't think so. I think there were quite a few people. You know, I saw it on the Reddit. I saw a couple of people on Twitter talk about it. Um, I, and I don't think it's necessarily that we want Kiyomura to be Bone Soldier. I just think we wanted right. Kiyomura to not be gone. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because New Japan apparently is still playing up the injury, you know, the concussion thing, that they're very adamant that, like, he's done because of this injury. But everything that we hear on the flip side of that is that it's not, that's not actually why he's not Did you, you're my source of information for this. Did you hear any more to that, or are we still, uh, still the same info that we had when we last talked about it? So, I, you know, I I mean, hey, I I think... And it's all conjecture, and yeah, it's... A lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is conjecture, but I, I mean, my my source for, for this, as far as the, my trusted source, has, has frankly been the observer, and, uh, you know, I, I Dave um, actually wrote, I think in his last issue, 
um, pretty much exactly what I said, that New Japan stance is that it's the injury, that it's concussion-related, but that that's not actually the reason why he's not there. And that's all that was said. There's no, yeah. There's been no other conjecture as far as like what the specific reason actually is, but it seems to be that as of this past week... Uh, or so that the that the stance was he is definitely out he's not coming back that it's injury related but that that's not actually what it is now no. I I will say you know ghetto being ghetto like it's entirely I'm not I'm not ruling it out that he's working everybody with this you know what I mean no. like I could totally see this being just a big work and that yeah and the Kitamura still does come back whether it is as Bone Soldier and this whole Ishimori stuff is is, is kind of you know a bit of a swerve if you will. I mean, who knows? Well, like I said to you, if Bone Soldier shows up and he's all of a sudden jacked, right. we know. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, and we were talking about the different things, too, and I forgot to mention it last time. I'm really hoping that it's not any Yakuza involvement because, and I said to you, what would be, how, how ironic would it be if that was what it was after they just licensed six of their wrestlers' likeness to appear in a video game called Yakuza 6? Yeah, right? Which I hear is a great you game, know. by the way. <laughs> I haven't played it. I heard so, too. Yeah. I almost well, want to buy it just to run around, just to, like, see Tetsuo Naito in a video game. Yeah, play right. a gangster, but... Which is but actually, I mean, that's an interesting piece of news. Because, I mean, it did, if I'm not mistaken, it did just recently drop in North America. It was not available here until it just was the past couple weeks last or so, right? month. Last month, okay, yeah, because I almost okay. bought it, but it came out at the same time as a couple other things. And um, if anybody doesn't know, they actually used... Now, they're not... Their actual characters. It's just the likeness. They play different like right. gang leaders. But yeah. it's um, Okada, Naito, yep. Yano, Kojima, Tenzan, and who am I missing? Somebody else was in the game too. Oh, oh, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> they used the six of them as different gang leaders. They used their likeness and everything. You could Google it and see the images. It's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's, hey, that's you our know. video game segment. Right. Well, it's also it's also another reason why Sam needs to get a PS4. Um, I still haven't done it. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so Bone Soldier, Best of the Super Juniors. We did want to touch just briefly again because we know it's not New Japan related, but uh, on the uh, Bruno San Martino documentary that aired on um, WWE Network because we we chatted a bit last time about his passing and, and about its impact and about how it was you know kind of did relate to New Japan. In so much that he didn't work for them, but I think that it is worth noting that the documentary—it's an overall that they wrestling aired, story. That's it's important, not just for WWE. Yeah. Bruno San Martino is an important enough figure that if you're a wrestling fan of any promotion, that you should at least know. You know what I mean? What yes. who the man was and what happened. He's, he's, a, he's a forefather in the wrestling industry. I mean, he really—and we talked about this, so we don't need to go through it. But the documentary that WWE put on was fantastic. It's what I mean. I mean honestly, it's, it's not an in-depth retrospective of his whole career. No, it was forty-five minutes. It was you know a small thing, but it was so well done that it's definitely worth watching. It was yeah. It's one of the best pieces I think I've ever seen them put together as far as just kind of the emotional quality of it. Uh, and I think that there you know certainly the criticism, uh, which is completely legit, that you know there were some things that were definitely brushed over or, or not not included or you know they continue to hype up the whole like 188 sellouts of MSG which is not actually you know a legit number but even even with the WWE myth making that they did 
the moments that you got to see him sitting there talking like about his family or about his career were so great. And the, some of the footage that they included was incredible. Uh, anytime we get to see any of that old footage, it was the same thing with the Andre doc. Like some of that vintage footage was incredible. One thing that I actually noted, and I, and I think I said this to you, and I think I even posted it on our Twitter account, I was most interested, oddly enough, besides the documentary, which I thought was incredible and, and, and very touching, about the Roddy Piper uh, interview footage because it was shot in 2015. I yeah. don't recall having seen that, like, because you know you watch enough of their documentaries, you start to see like there, like there's so much Hogan footage, for instance, that they've spurred in. What did they? What from, like, they have Roddy into? Well, yeah, I mean, I right. haven't done what in 2015. He, they had Roddy Piper there just specifically to talk about Bruno. So no, what was he not. there? Obviously, that subject came up, but. It had to be part of a bigger project, correct? Right, and it was just before he died, which was sudden. Nobody knew it was coming. It's not like they could be like, let's pull Roddy in because we know something's happening. Like It was such a sudden thing. So there is that kind of thing where it's just kind of like, yeah, what was that for? And to know that he died you know, in the middle of that year, you, you kind of ask yourself, like, when was that? Because he looked great. And again, yeah. his death was sudden, so it's not one of those things where you expected him to look like he was ailing or ill. It's but not like is... he was 80 years old and ill, and they said we should get him in here and do something with right. him before he passes. Yeah, I agree. Um, on the documentary itself, I'll tell you what. I watched it, and you know, I find myself the older I get. Now, I'm going to be 40 in, in 10 weeks, but I find myself that the older I get, the more emotional I become yeah. and um, when I was sitting there like when he's telling the story and I knew the story about how they had to flee his village and hide in the woods up in the mountain oh. and all that when he tells the part and he gets upset about when the two German soldiers caught the whole bunch of them and were going to yeah. execute them when he yeah. talks about his mother holding him oh. and, and the sibling and saying it's going to be okay we're going to be with God in heaven soon and you're not to worry about and he's crying talking about his mother I mean, mm-hmm. if that doesn't get you, I'm not saying you have to cry or anything, but if that doesn't get you on a human, like, like a personal level, human level, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I mean, right? and, and, and to watch, like, the way, it's one thing to hear the story, but the way he's telling it, and you're talking yeah. about this big, proud man who did so much and, and everything, and he's breaking down, telling this, talking about what his mother did for them. It's an yeah. amazing story. How about we talked about his mother snuck down and would sneak in the house to get food, and she got shot once. Yeah, it's came back crazy. with like a bullet in her shoulder. Yeah, crazy, I know. crazy story. And, and it's, it's one of those ta- things that, like, if you made it a movie, people almost wouldn't believe it because it's not believable. Like, right. it, they would think it's it's not. You couldn't. It couldn't be true. Well, and if and anything, it's amazing. I, I feel like there's there's such a separation between that and so many of the things that are happening in the world today. But I can't help but think that there is something there. And it's important to hear a story like that and also think of it in the context in the world in which we live, especially with, you know, with what's been happening in Syria. And I'm not here to get all political or whatever. No, but, if you, but don't to, think that these things don't still happen. Exactly. Exactly. They're just and not so happening I, on the global scale of World War II where everybody's eyes are on it. But I'm sure there's places all over the world where these things are happening. Yeah. And so to hear a story from a man that is so well respected in, in you know, within this uh, genre of entertainment that we love so much... And, and, and it, you know, has this incredible life story. I think it's the thing that I, I can be even more impactful about that story is being able to put it in the context of the world in which we live in today. And that's something that I always, you know, I'm a huge fan of. And I think that wrestling does a really great job of this, too. It's like, if I watch a match from 30 years ago, I want to watch that match in the context of 30 years ago, but I also want to watch that match in the context of today. And so it's the same thing with hearing his story. It's like, how does that story 
work from 1945 perspective and how does that story work in a 2018 perspective and I think that that's kind of the important thing that sometimes gets missed about history in general and especially in pro wrestling there are times when people will watch like an old wrestling match and be like ah this is boring or, or whatever and it's like well you gotta put it in the context of it's time well, and if how you does remember, that play today you know yeah if you remember when we talked about Bruno I we were talking I told people to go if you have a WWE Network account to go back and look at they have a lot of his old stuff under the collection things yeah. but you, you don't you have to look at it through the eyes of when it, when the match happened, because right. a lot of the matches from that time frame, this was before the the, the flippy flip shit and everything that that, <laughs> sure, that happens sure. now. So right. it was it would come across to your like if my son sat down and watched an old Bruno San Martino match, he would sit there and say, "This is the most boring match I ever saw," because he's <laughs> but because he just watched Will Osprey and Ricochet or something. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. But you have to judge it. But a lot of that's still the storylines. If the, the athleticism and the moves don't hold up as well, but some of the, the, the passion and the storylines definitely do. I agree. Yeah, the story you know, So you have to do that. But, I mean, overall, again, we said it once, we said it again. If you have a WWE Network account, and I'm sure, you know, I know we're basically a New Japan podcast, but I'm sure a lot of people or wrestling fans in general would. At yeah. least treat yourself. Go sit down and watch some of the stuff in the collection. Watch the documentary, especially if you already have the account. You're paying for it. You right, might as well get right. maximum value out of it. And not to change the subject, but if you have an account, bring up the greatest Royal Rumble and go. <laughs> go okay, even if you don't want to watch it, go to the last uh, match, which is the Royal Rumble, and get to where the 39th entry comes out. 39. Okay. If you watch nothing else ever on a WWE program. <laughs> You have to watch Titus O'Neil's entrance into the Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah. I don't know really how to describe do. it. Why don't you uh, you you describe it? Because it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in a wrestling match. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it right now, and I'm having a hard time holding it together. Like it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And, and we were I talking showed... about it. Yeah, I mean, what made it hilarious too is they didn't gloss over it or hide no, it. They just went with try... it. Well, here's the great thing about it. Okay, so let's just let's just spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, skip skip forward a couple of minutes in the podcast. If you have seen it, stick with us because we're going to go into it for a second. And trust me, even if you know it's coming and watch. It. It's no less right. funny because I was watching on delay and had a feeling I knew something real funny was going to happen. And I knew from Twitter it was Titus related. So yeah. I was kind of prepared for something like and sometimes if you're waiting for something that's funny and you know it's coming, you don't get the full it, effect. Yeah. I was dying laughing. I'm, so, I'm, I'm cracking up now thinking about it. I know. Same here. Same here. So, the, OK, the, one of the best things about it is it, the camera was not on him when it actually happened. Basically, what it was is he's running down to the ring. He gets ready to kind of do the sliding into the ring thing, where you know they kind of you know jump and slide into the ring. He trips before he can do. It. But his momentum and his his upper body had already started. Yeah. His upper body had already started the slide under the rope, like yeah. getting ready. So his momentum was going that direction. Oh and when he God. trips, he can't pull himself back. So he just goes. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, he just goes head first on a stumble and goes right through the, the apron, like right under the ring. He's oh, literally yeah. under, completely under the ring. His feet yeah. and everything disappeared, right? And, yep. and the best part, like Samson is, you don't see it at first because they had the, the hard camera up so you would just see him slide in. Yeah. And he's not there. And the first indication that something went wrong is the announcers are dying laughing. And Corey Graves or Michael Claude, I don't know which one, said, oh my God, did that just happen? <laughs> so you're like, what the hell did he do? And then, I guess, and you read the report after, Vince McMahon loved it, thought it was hilarious. Because yeah, they showed the yeah. replay, like, the, the, the replay of it, oh, it had to be ten times. I mean, yeah. 
maybe not that many, but it was at least five or six times. And they didn't cut the announcer's mics or anything. They just no. went with it. Corey Graves yeah. was still dying laughing minutes later. He was oh, saying, yeah. like, I'm trying to work out here. What well, That was the best I ever saw. Byron Saxon tries <laughs> to get them on course. He's like, just forget it and move on. And it's not happening. No. And, and no. you know Vince loved it because they just kept showing it and showing yeah. it and showing it. And then I, I went on Twitter and, like, trending worldwide was Titus World. Instead of Titus Worldwide, it, it was, was Titus World Titus Slide. Titus Slide, yeah. Oh, God. And I, so here's the thing. I actually you know what? There's, there's, my wife. There's Google, there's videos and everything. We might even put a link. We might even put the 20-second the clip up oh, on, on Twitter. Yeah, somewhere. why yeah. not? Why the hell not? Uh, I don't think the WWE is going to sue us over 20 seconds because no, it's everywhere. No, no, no. I mean, and you see, yeah, you see it all over the place. But I, and if so, anybody from the WWE is listening and wants to sue us, um, Sam's going to put it up, not me. <laughs> you know, nice. I have more to lose. I, you know, well, Sam's got a baby on the way now too, so please don't yeah, sue you us. Know, whatever, don't don't sue me. I, I don't have I don't have much to much to give anyway. But yeah, what well, are the things? Too, it's blood from a stone. I, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I loved about it is, is that it felt very universal as far as the enjoyment that people could get out of it. Because my wife. Who she, you know, she watches wrestling with me on occasion, but she's by no means a wrestling fan. It's more just sort of by default because I'm watching it. She'll watch it and she'll get into it. You know, she she enjoys watching even some of the New Japan stuff. Uh, I was watching some stuff earlier today, for instance, and she was sitting here. If you, you know, watch something with, me. with somebody long enough, you're going to get hooked on it. I remember yeah. being home all the time, and I wound up getting hooked on Days of Our Lives for a, mother, for a while because I had to be home, and my mother had it on all the time. So sooner <laughs> or so later, she starts to care who the characters are, and the same thing happens with wrestling. My mom was a Days of Our Lives fan, so I watched a lot of it when I was a kid, too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I showed it to my wife, Jess. and like, we're she... Days of Our Lives fans, Japanese wrestling fans. It's a miracle we got married. <laughs> yeah, right? All right, I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Uh, but she uh, she saw this, and, and, and I was laughing before I even showed it to her. And I hit play, and she watched it, and I showed her the whole thing. So I showed it to her, like, before it happened... The lead up, the announcer's losing it. Like, I'm over there giggling like a little schoolgirl. And she's trying to figure out exactly what I'm laughing about. And then they show the replay, and she even lost it. Like, and she thinks it's funny, too. She even mentioned it to me the other day. Like, I think it was yesterday or something like that. She was laughing about something. And I was like, what are you laughing about? And she was, she was like, oh, I was just thinking about that thing. So it's like, it's universal. It's one of those things that I just it's feel like. It's the greatest botch in wrestling history because Aww. nobody got hurt. No, nothing. And, and we were talking about before we came, like we started recording. This could be the best thing that ever happened to Titus because you had oh, this yeah. gigantic event, a five-hour event that they put on that the Saudi royal family paid thirty million dollars for. And afterwards, Oof. the biggest moment of the whole thing that everybody was talking about was Titus. Yeah, yeah, good and good. It'll for be him. interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do tomorrow night. Oh, they um, at least have to have shirts, kind of like they did when Cesaro's teeth got knocked up into his head. Yeah. Oh God, that was brutal. Um, but so, so, okay. So we go from kind of a sad thing to a funny thing to one more sad thing, uh, before we wrap up news and notes. I, again, it's not strictly New Japan Pro Wrestling related, but because of the impact on Japanese wrestling it, it had in general, I do think it's worth mentioning. Uh, Matoko Baba, uh, passed away. And we think, and this is just because reports have been a little sketchy it was actually like a couple of weeks ago but she did not want anyone to know about like she she had cirrhosis of the liver she was dying she knew that it was coming she had been in the hospital she decided to go home uh and was in hospice care i think at one point uh and she, she passed away and, and her wishes were that it not be told to the media so that, that there were not a lot of people that knew there were even a lot of wrestlers that had worked for her at one time that were not aware and for anybody um, that doesn't know this is giant baba's widow 
Right, yeah, Giant Baba's Widow, and I think that it's important to note, especially in this day and age when we hear so much as North American wrestling fans about women's revolution and how important women are, and you know Stephanie McMahon is so, so uh, such a visible figure. I think it's important to note that, truthfully, Motoko Baba was, especially at a time when women were not at all given any kind of spotlight, um, and and were not. Um, I, I think not necessarily uh, seen in positions of power, not only in wrestling, but just in general, uh, that she was legit one of the most powerful figures in all of professional wrestling for a damn near, you know, 25 year span. Because she and Baba, like, ran all Japan Pro Wrestling, and, and a lot of what I've read is that they were very much good cop, bad cop, whereas, you know, Shohai Baba was very much sort of like the good cop. And, you know, he would always give the wrestlers the good news. But anytime somebody was getting a pink slip, anytime somebody was getting, you know, their ass chewed out for doing something or whatever, it was it was Matoko Baba that ended up having to be the one to do all of that stuff. Uh, so she was not necessarily well-liked. She was kind of vilified in a lot of ways, especially after Baba died and there was the All Japan split where Misawa took all the wrestlers and formed Pro Wrestling Noah. Um... It's a fascinating history, and and while I do think that some of the stuff is justified because she was not interested in moving the business forward, whereas Misawa was, and I think that there's an argument to be made that that Misawa forming Noah, uh, you know, pushed the ball forward for all Japan. I mean, a lot of people look at, at the first few years of Noah as being a direct continuation of all Japan. Like they don't even look at all Japan in 2001, 2002 as being all Japan. They look at pro wrestling Noah as being that. So anyway, I, I think that it's worth noting that she was a huge influential figure. She had a lot of power, a lot of say, so, uh, there were times when giant Baba would literally defer to her for her opinion on things. Uh, she was very, she was a very astute businesswoman. Um, you know, there's an interesting backstory to how they got married and how it had to be kept under wraps because Shohai Baba at the time was, you know, kind of, um, I don't want to say sex symbol, but, you know, he was, he was certainly a, one of the top sports figures in all of Japan. And so it was, it was more alluring that he was a single man. So they kept their, their marriage secret for a number of years before actually coming out and saying that he was married and that sort of thing. Um, and, and so I, I think that it's worth taking a moment to just note that she passed, uh, that all Japan at one of their shows last week, um, not only held a 10 bell salute for Bruno, but also held a 10 bell salute for her. Um, and, and, and again, I just think she's an important figure. There's some really great stories out there that I think are worth reading just because she did have a huge impact on for the mid nineties had to be one of the most successful wrestling companies on the face of the planet, if not in dollars and cents, although they did have like something like 60 sellouts in a row, which was unheard of, uh, that, that I do think that, um, the quality of what the in-ring product was, which a lot of that obviously had to do with like Misawa and Kawada and Kobashi, etc. That that I do think that it's worth noting that she was at the helm uh, or or kind of the co-captain for a lot of that. Uh, and then again, in a day and age when we hear so much about women being at the forefront of wrestling, it's important to note that there was a woman since the mid '70s that had been doing you know what what Stephanie McMahon supposedly does, which we know she doesn't really do. 
So, yeah. Uh, I think that's, I, I think that's I, worth noting. I, well, you summed it up perfectly. There's not much more I can add. So, you know, she, she her place in history should not be glossed over, and she'll be missed. And I thought it was nice that they, they did the, the Tim Bell salute for her and Bruno. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so I, I will I will say quickly that uh, we did reach out to some folks uh, through Reddit and through our Twitter. Um, didn't necessarily get uh, you know any questions um, to, to talk about stuff. Uh, some comments though certainly um, that I think are worth noting. Um, we did have um, some comments about the best of the Super Juniors, and you know people kind of talking about. Uh, Takamichinoku not being on there and wondering if they were leaving him out. I don't think he's going to be in Best of Super Juniors um, for what it's worth. Uh, I know that uh, JQNCG on Reddit uh, asked a question about that. Uh, but he did also mention one thing that I did forget earlier that I think is uh, is worth bringing up. He mentioned Will Ospreay recommending someone and that person was Robbie Eagles. Uh and that would not be a bad addition to the tournament at all. I think it would make a lot of sense, especially with New Japan's involvement in the Australian wrestling scene. I mean, Robbie Eagles is probably one of the best wrestlers in Australia right now, uh, and, and certainly being in that junior heavyweight division, I think, would be would be great. Um, so that would be interesting. Um, Chris41 commented that the lineup looks wrong without Liger. Um, I, I think that it's, you know, we don't have everyone yet, but at the same time, I doubt that Liger is going to be in the tournament. That said, he could easily be in, and you got to think that at some point in the near future, much like Nagata last year in the G1, that Liger is going to you know say that this is it for for my you know for the tournament anyway. Yeah, um, uh, I will throw this out, and I say this a lot. It's it's unrelated, but it falls under the kind of the the news and notes stuff. Um, definitely go over and check out the New Japan US blog. Um, sure. there's some, our friend Wilford runs it. Um, it's www.njpw-us.com. The, he has some really nice articles up. There's there's a real cool article that I enjoyed about. Uh, it's about Naito. It's called the Stone Cold Effect in New Japan. And yeah. It's a really it's a it's a nice read, and they're not overly long. Um, but I also want to thank him too. Now I didn't get them, but he had some some sticker things made up. I don't yeah. know if you saw this, but he uh, mailed them out to us. So, you know, we're, they're pretty – we'll get them depending on how many we get. Maybe, we'll, you know, if, if any of the listeners want one, we'll send them out to you. Um, sure. We'll see what we get. But, yeah, he runs a great – you know, not only does he run a great blog, he does a really nice job of helping promote our show. And, uh, you know, we're kind of working together here to, to navigate these waters a little bit because we're both starting out. So yeah. definitely – and we'll have a link in the show notes. But um, there's some great articles in there too. There's a, he has an article up about the uh, show in the Cow Palace about yeah. the U.S. expansion, like an overall broad opinion of it. So it's it's definitely worth checking out his blog. I check it out because he posts over there all the time. Yeah, that's a dead thing. The frequency with which he posts is great. And I also love that, you know, a lot of his articles are, are, are fairly short. Um, yeah. So I love how concise he can be and yet still, you know, I, I, you, I don't leave his website after reading one of his new blog posts feeling like, 
oh, there's there's more to this story, and I didn't get it. I, I I feel like it's a you know it's just it's these great, easily digestible you know pieces of information, and he usually you know he keeps it so focused on on you know one subject here and there that it works very well talking about like here's who's winning G one and why you yeah, know that and, sort and, of stuff. And he'll post like a little a little article maybe every other day. So if you bop, you bounce over, you can read one. It takes five minutes, and then you check back the next day. There'll be something new up. It's not like you have to sit down and spend a ton of time or try to digest a ton of information thrown at you. Like you said, right. he gets he gets onto a particular topic, you know. He gives his opinion. He, he explains why. And you might not agree with his his opinion on stuff, but at least oh, yeah. he doesn't just say this is my opinion. <laughs> he gives you reasons why he believes that. But at each article, you can there's a comment section, so you can comment and, and on them, and he'll respond. Yeah. You know? So and we're actually I, you know, I just we're like going to be covering uh, one of the matches that he suggested in our classic match section at the end of the show. So yeah, we, um, he's been helping us out with that. And and yeah. if you go on, he does his own little classic match and. Uh, he, he writes does, an article yeah. about, and the one he has up right now is um, Nakamura versus um, uh, Minoru Suzuki from G1 yeah. Climax 23 in 2013. So that's an interesting read. And a nice thing, too, but if you click on his show or uh, his blog and click under Friends, the first link that comes up is the King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, so we thank yeah, him, too, for that. There. Yeah, absolutely. Very, yeah, very he's, cool of him. So, but check um, out his blog. So, again, you know, not necessarily a question, but I did want to give a quick shout-out to uh, cross underscore B on Reddit. That's K R O S S underscore B. Um, because he had some really great comments. There was a thread talking about El Desperado and Kanemaru's run with the junior tag belts. And, uh, we were talking about how, uh, the, I, I think that they're kind of helping to up the profile of those belts in a way, just because they've been hot potatoed a lot, which is not a bad thing because I think it gave the opportunity for a lot of teams to, you know, get some notoriety. And clearly, you know, a couple of years ago, you had like Red Dragon being fairly dominant with them and you've had the Bucks have so many runs, that sort of stuff. But the, the, the scene over the past year or so has, has cooled a little bit, I think, even with show and yo. Um, so there's that kind of conversation about how they've sort of really kind of helped to raise the profile. And so we talked about a couple of other things as well, including the uh, Hiromu winning Best of the Super Juniors. Um, and and he, he hopes that he wins as well, takes the title from Osprey at Dominion, and that El Desperado would be a great first challenger uh, just because of the encounters that they've had. And plus, when you think about the junior tag title matches that they've had and the interactions between LIJ um, and, uh, and Suzuki-Goon. So I think that there is you know some interesting stuff there. Uh, also, just kind of talking about that Suzuki Goon Lij feud, uh, you know, he was mentioning that it could have easily just been Suzuki and Naito, and nobody would have complained. And I completely agree; like it yeah. could have just been that. But the fact that they have really kind of layered the feud with everyone, kind of, you know, and especially like talking specifically about Hiromu and Bushi, you know, well, and Kanemaru and Desperado. Well, that's the beauty of New Japan too, because of the way they work with with their factions. That they can mm-hmm. do that more easily than North American companies do. That, you know what I mean? It would make sense right. if the leaders of two factions are going at it. They're, I don't want to say underlings, but the members of their group would also have an issue. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, and that's an advantage they have the way that they book around feuds. Or, or our factions, I mean. Because even, like, like if you look at it, like, the people that weren't a faction became a default faction. Taguchi Japan. They were basically mm-hmm. just the guys that weren't. Now they're even... a and and I noticed lately in the last like month or two they've grouped more they've referenced themselves more as Taguchi Japan like especially yeah. if you watch the YouTube stuff or the stuff they, they put it on uh, New Japan World too like a day or two later when they translate the backstage stuff do the yeah, they, subtitled stuff yeah yeah they talk a lot more especially Taguchi will talk about Taguchi Japan getting the belts and stuff like that yeah like they refer to themselves more of a group than they were just a loose collection. 
Well, one other thing, too, you know, that we talked about, uh, which kind of springboards off of that in a way, uh, even though it's to, to chaos, uh, is that, you know, I, I had mentioned something about... Um, I thought that Sho and Yo would have kind of a long run, which I realized might have been a mistake because they were kind of just brought back. So it's like they win the title. It helps to give them legitimacy. They drop it. They win it again. They drop it. There was kind of that thing where it's like, oh, man, they're kind of cooling. And we'll talk about this on the Road to Dentaku shows. They've clearly been cooled a lot on these Road 2 shows with the matchups that they've had. Uh, but, you know, his, his sort of response to that was that they're still due uh, at some point and, and that he can easily see the fact that, like, look, they're super talented, but they're also still considered young and inexperienced. And if you compare that to Kanemaru and Desperado, they have a lot of... Which is a great point, because Kanemaru is, like... I mean, he's, like, a fucking legend in the junior division. Not in New Japan, specifically, and more in Noah, but he still has that background. Well, so it was a really good I'm, point. You're more of the historian. He was in Noah, correct? And yes. when Suzuki Gun got exiled to Noah, that's when he joined. And when they came back, he came with them? Yes, Exactly, okay. and he got picked up. And so he holds the record, actually, for the most um, junior heavyweight reigns in Noah. He, I think he had, like, seven, I want to say. Um, so he's, I mean, yeah, he, like I said, he is kind of a legend as far as that's concerned in pro wrestling Noah. But, you know, just in junior heavyweight kind of in general, I mean, you would have to put him up there as a legend. Um, and he's, you know, he's, like, 40 years old. Uh, and I don't know off yeah. the top of my head how old Desperado is, but, I mean, he's he's... He's not, you know, in his 20s. He's, like, he's no like spring chicken, as they say. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he, you know, he, he kind of felt that that when El Desperado and Kamaru... El Desperado is 34, the by the way. Okay. So when they do drop the belts, he kind of felt like it might be back to show and yo, which would be interesting, especially if it's like a Dominion or King of Pro Wrestling. I mean, I, it would be hard to see a team holding those belts that long because they do kind of change hands every, like, few months. But I, I, I think it's... It's good for them to hold that title, especially right now, and we'll get into that more with you know when we talk about some of the other stuff with like Lij and, and uh, Suzuki Goon. Um, but anyway, thank you so much to Crossby for for uh, commenting and, and and giving us some you know good food for thought. We got more people that we're going to give shout outs to when we get to our classic matches, but I think mm-hmm. uh, I think it's time to dive into Road to Dantaku. Okay, well let me preface this by saying because there's been so many Road to Dantaku shows televised and, and some non-televised, that normally when we go through these shows, we go match by match and talk about them. A lot of these matches, because they're either repeats every night or they really don't do much except just, hey, these guys still have heat, so they're wrestling. We're just going right. to give results. We're going to just concentrate on the matches that we felt we needed to concentrate on. So we're going to go each of the three nights, give the results, but we're going to then just focus on the important stuff. This Agreed. way we're not talking for six hours about road two shows. And a That's lot of them, like, true. if you look at it, too, like, I can't tell you how many times on this tour, Sho, Yo, and Rocky have wrestled Azuka, uh, Tai Chi, and Taka. So, I mean, how uh, many times can you talk about the same thing? Or even, like, as much as I love the, the war that's going on between Suzuki, Suzuki-Goon and LIJ, I mean, they've wrestled in either four or five, or, I'm sorry, eight or ten-man tag matches so many times. Right. And it's really not worth Which, talking about unless something happened after or, you know. Well, and I, I feel like because we've had the type of the two the two big title matches, like the tag team title and the intercontinental title match happen now, when we talk about those, we'll be able to reference those matches. Yeah, because they, all they were time. was build ups for those. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like most of the time, the build up is they had a match and after the match, Suzuki gun laid them out in the ring. 
Right. You know what I mean? I don't think we need to take 10 minutes each for each show to talk about that. So that no. being said, let's start. Now, the, the next show, we had pre- um, went over the last batch. So the first one we need to talk about was the show that aired, uh, well, um, not aired, April but 23rd. April 23rd. Yeah. Um, Which at I, I, Cork and I, Hall. Yeah, and I will say that we're going to kind of break the rule that you just set up. I know, the first match, and I know why, because you you texted me about it. I'll give the result, and then you take it from there. Perfect. You there? Yeah, I'm here. You can hear me? The first match was a 50... Yes. Uh, The first match was a Young Lion match, but it had a 15-minute time limit, which is unusual because they're usually 10. So it was Yota Suji versus... I don't even know how you say his first name. Yuya? Yamura? Yep. That's a tongue twister for me. I mean, yeah. a lot of these Japanese names are tough for me to begin with, but that one's tough. But they wrestled each other. Well, why don't you talk about that for a minute? So they ended up wrestling to a draw. Um, Which was and... odd because they don't they normally have 10-minute time limits. Right. And they, they usually gave them finish extra about time. Minutes. Yeah, they gave them extra time and they went the whole, which was good. Yeah. And I, and I thought that, you know, there was some really great grappling up front. Then they had some hard hits. Uh, the finish was great because... Like, by the end of the match, they were both just, like, dead, you know, on the mat, just laying there. And I think one of the remarkable things about the match, too, is that the post-match, they were still kind of hitting one another. Like, sort of just laying there, but they were still kind of, like, trying to hit one another. Yeah, they didn't um, want to accept the draw. Right. Uh, and, and so I just felt like it told a really great story. And as far as Young Lions go, it was a wonderful spotlight for both Suji and Uemura. Um, because I, I thought the way they did it, it, they they the way that they had them go the, and have a time limit draw, put a little bit of like a shine on this match. Like, yeah. hey, this was a young lions match, but there's something a little special about this, you right. know. And it's and it, it fair, didn't it's need to do much, but it was had. no, but it just felt a little different, mm-hmm. you know. Like it, it, it which is a, it's a good sign for both of them because both of them had just made their debuts, what like a week or not, like in the last couple of weeks. I yeah. think um, their first matches were on those Lionsgate project that we talked about last time. And then they're on the, they didn't have their first match on a main card until the road to wrestling Dantaku started. So yeah. this was, this was a good highlight for the, like a good spotlight match for them. And um, yeah. Well, right. Cause Suji's you know? not even like at that point that this match is like his debut was April 10th. So it's not even two weeks into his, you know, into his career. Same thing with Umura, like his, his first match was April 10th. So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this and, and good for them. I, I, th- I think it's worth catching, you know, if you got 15 yeah. minutes to spare and you haven't seen it, throw it on because it, it, it's a really good young lions match. And I think that the story they tell in that very finishing stretch and post match is, is, is a little bit unique for young lions. So yeah, I'd say check it out. Okay. And now we'll go to the second match. We, the second match was a 20 minute time limit. Match. Um, it was the team of Manubu Nakanishi, Yuji Nagata, and Hiroyoshi Tenzan versus Renarita, Shota Umino, and Tomo Yoki Oka, my boy Oka. Now, yeah. as soon as you saw the match, you knew which team was winning. It was just a question of how. But right. in this, it was uh, Yuji Nagata put the Nagata Lock 2 on Shota Umino at 11 minutes 20 seconds. There's really not a lot you need to know. I mean, it's your basic match. The, the Young Lions had a spot where I think all three of them had um, Boston Crabs on the other three at once. Yeah, yeah. That was, was like their really big cool moment. Spot. Yeah, that was their big spot. But you knew the outcome was inevitable. It was just which one was going to eat the, you know, usually I say eat the pin, but in this, it was a submission hold. But well, that's basically. The, Go ahead. I think one of the remarkable things that I will mention real quick is that Oka had some really great spots in there against 
uh, all three of those guys, especially Nakanishi, like he was bringing it. And I think that there are a lot of people um, that I even, you know, had, had kind of spoken to uh, on the Reddit, for instance, uh, you know, that were big fans of Oka. And I literally, I think in one of the posts that I put, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I actually yeah, I did. I was like, Paul's a big fan. No, I, I responded. But see, when I responded on the Twitter, sometimes it's a little confusing because we both respond on the Twitter. So I had to preface and say it's Paul. Because usually yeah. if you see, if you follow our Twitter, it, I'm not going to lie. Sam is kind of our social ambassador, social media <laughs> ambassador. Sam handles the Twitter. Sam uh, edits the show. Sam does all the work, basically. <laughs> I'm just here to uh, give some insight, my opinion, but Sam does all the work. So whenever you see a, a tweet or a Reddit and engage with us, it's Sam. Unless if it's me, I'll specify it's me. But, yeah, um, yeah that's what he put. It, for anybody who doesn't follow us, I absolutely love Oka. He's my yeah. favorite young lion. I could watch the guy wrestle all night. I just love his facial expressions. He always looks miserable and mean. And yeah. I and I I I, I, you know, I like all the young lions, but yeah. I, I'm real big on Oka. But yeah, Oka had a couple spots in that. But I mean, and, basically, and so did, it was the match you expected, right? And I and I want to just give a real quick uh, note to Umino. And, and, and again, I, I'm not going to do this on on every show for sure. But there's this really cool thread that's been building between uh, Umino and um, Nagata. And and so I think that uh, it's just interesting to see the way that, see the way that he kind of takes it to Nagata, and Nagata then will demolish him, and it obviously in this case ended up getting the pin. And there's that sort of like you can tell that he's looking for Nagata's respect, and Nagata's not quite ready to give it yet. So it's some cool storytelling there. Um, and, and like I said, I, I enjoyed the Young Lion matches. Yeah, and so, if you like yeah. the storyline, like Sam just said with Umino and, um, and the whole interaction with Nagata. If you're into this and you watch these shows, you're really in a day, like a day or two after they air, really should sit down and click on the backstage segments that are subtitled oh, at that yeah. point. Yeah, because they point. really like, like you don't need to watch them. Like you, and I know people say like, well, I just watched a four hour show. Now I have to watch something else to go. But you know, because they're subtitled and, and you get those a little bit more of the interactions in the back, you see how, the, the the go between like the back and forth between Nagata and Umino, you can see it, and they they actually talk a little bit and everything, and and they do this for like basically every match on the card, so yeah. you get a little bit more insight, and and they're usually not that long. Like if you click on them, they're usually like fifteen minutes. Sometimes they go up to twenty, twenty five at the most. But if the, if you see like two at the end of a match, people talk in the ring, they get the mic, they'll translate that too. Like, yeah. they'll air that in some style. So it's a really good, you know. We're definitely going to talk about Suzuki as far as that's concerned yeah. a little bit later. <laughs> but we'll get to that. So yeah. the third match, and yep. this is one that we're going to just Ugh. gloss over because it's the same thing for three nights, is they keep putting Shoyo and Rocky against Taka, Taichi, and Azuka, And it's always been disqualifications. In fact, in one of the third night of these three, the backstage segment, Rocky even talks about it, how out of control the disqualifications are. But it's the same thing. Um, t- the Suzuki team gets themselves disqualified. So yeah. you have Sho, Yo, and Rocky picking up the win in 10 minutes and 2 seconds. And really, there's nothing to talk about here because yeah. it's going to be the same thing three nights in a row. Yeah. All right, we get on to the fourth night match. And what we have is, an, is a 10-man tag. You have basically Taguchi Japan more or less, because you have Kushida, Elgin, and Juice, but they're yeah. teamed up with with uh, one of Sam's favorite, Togi Makabe, yeah. <laughs> and my one of my least favorites in Toa Hanari. Oh, and they took on the Chaos team of Will Ospreay, y- Yoshihashi, Yano, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto. Yeah. And this match went 13 minutes, 4 seconds, and Makabe picked up... Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yano, uh, yeah. Yano picked up the, the win over Makabe with the I don't know how you say this. The Uragasima? Ur- uh, I, I Uragasume? 
Ergasumi. I don't know exactly how you pronounce that, but is it, that that's the match there? And it was pretty standard. 10-man tag stuff. I mean, not that I'm trying to say they're, they're not good. It's not that they're not good. It's just that there's this road to there's been so many shows and they yeah. run the same card that it's – and it's hard to kind of talk about them because these matches over the last, like, two weeks have just, like – they just, like, well, blend together. Like, yeah, I can't remember I that, one from from the, the other, you know? That the important thing about this match is that there was definitely a spotlight on Hanare and Ishii because they were going to have the singles match. There Goto was some and amazing Osprey uh, Kushida interactions, which they're just always... I mean, anytime those two guys touch one another, it's just sort of like, I want to see what they do. Yeah, uh, even if it's only for, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> that's all these matches are set up to do, is to further already established feuds and it's a way to get them all in the ring together and not waste the singles matches and how about this not to compare it but if this is wwe they would have just split them gave you the single matches you would have saw them wrestle six times before the pay-per-view and it'd be diluted so what they do is yeah yeah they just put them in these matches so they can get them in and you'll have a segment where kashida's in there with osprey or or Juice is in there with Goto, and they do the thing, and you get, like, two minutes of it, and then they make a tag. So it just whets your appetite when you finally do see them get in a singles match. Right. Well, and one of the things I do want to mention, though, is how interesting is it that in all of these, you know, multi-man tags that we've seen where uh, Juice and Goto have been in, that I don't necessarily feel like they've ever had kind of a spotlight on them. It's just, it's like, you know these two guys are facing one another. They're going to brawl in the crowd for a little bit. They're going to have a couple of move exchanges. But to me, the multi-mans that they've been involved in have always been about the other participants a little bit more, if that makes sense. Oh, I sense. agree. Well, which is you interesting. Look, if you look at this match, to be honest with you, like, the, the takeaway I had is it more than anything else, it kind of actually built up for the Ishii Hanari little Yeah, bit. totally. I agree. Because Hanari now has a bug up his ass that he wants to be tougher than Ishii. Right, right. So, which and was, we'll get to he that. He got a lot in on Ishii, which is yeah, we'll, interesting. Yeah, we got some, and we'll get to that because they actually do have a singles match on another night, which we're going to get to. Yeah. All right, let's get so to the fifth, the fifth match. Is a thirty minute limit, uh, thirty minute time limit. It is the team of Resku Taguchi, David Finley, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, the Ace, versus our boy Kazuchika Okada, his little mouthpiece Ghetto. <laughs> and Jay White. Yeah. And this match had Finley hit Ghetto, Ghetto, I'm sorry, at 10 minutes and 10 seconds. He hit him with the Prima Nocta, which is yeah. basically a stunner, his version of the stunner. Um, I mean, the big thing here is this was really building up for the Finley Jay White thing that was totally going to happen the following all night. about Finley White, yeah. yeah. Not, not to mention, too, you also did get some Tanahashi and Okada, like, stare. Like, you, you could tell there's an uneasiness building there. So they, they did a good job of furthering two storylines here. Without right. really, and you knew when you go in a lot of times, like you knew Tanahashi or Okada weren't getting a pinfall over each other. You know, Finley and Jay White weren't. So it was basically who was going to eat the pinfall, Ghetto or Taguchi, and who yeah. was going to deal it. And in this case, it was just Finley got it over Ghetto. You know, the interesting thing, too, that I think that we've seen building through all of these Okada Tanahashi interactions is that Okada seems to get increasingly disrespectful towards Tanahashi almost well, every night. Like, you know, yeah. I don't need to, yeah, it's like, I don't need to, I don't need to beat you. Like you're nothing to me anymore. And it's just really, really interesting to see we'll uh, talk, yeah. the, that he takes it to him a lot outside. Like he's, well, very, we'll he's take it the next. It yeah. I, it's, I don't think it was this match. Cause like, no. I think it was the next night he, yep. he did something. He had um, a move on yeah. the apron. We'll get to that. But yeah, like it went from last week. He was just calling him a bastard. But this match, he's getting more disrespectful. By the next night, he's just being a complete heel. Yeah. Well, not a complete yeah. heel, but he's he's the heel in that feud. Yeah, at least for, for sure. Now. 
All right, we'll get on to the sixth match, which is a special, uh, quote-unquote, they build it as a special six-man match. Yeah. So you had the t- LIJ team of Evil, Sonata, and Naito took on Davey Boy Smith Jr., Lance Archer, otherwise known as KES, and Suzuki. This match went 12 minutes, 47 seconds, and it ended with Davey Boy Smith and Lance Archer hitting the Magic Killer on Evil. Yeah. And again, this this match was set up basically for the two feuds because we were getting Naito and Suzuki um, at the what, how do you say it? the he not he Kuni show and yes. Sonata and Evil versus yeah. KES at the same show. They were just yeah. building up. Well, and, and the thing that was cool here too is there were some really interesting like Suzuki Sonata interactions, which I thought was cool because it's clear mm-hmm. that Sonata's like star is, is is kind of on the rise. I mean, I don't think that there's any like he's not going to go off on a singles run. He and no, and anytime Evil soon, are, you know, or a tag team. That said, I think that they kind of keep. And he already had the the, the IWGP match with um, Okada, so it's not like it's not like we're looking at somebody who's like, oh, he's being slowly built. Like he's no, already yeah. kind of established. But and he did a good job to... when they put him in that IWGP match. He, he did himself yeah. no disservice. So I know what you mean. They're they're, they're they're slowly cooking him up. Right. And the other thing I think that's big uh, to note here is uh, the way that Suzuki just goes after Naito's leg. I mean, it looks like he's going to tear that fucking thing off. A couple oh, of times. He does such a good job of being, like presenting himself as a psychopath. <laughs> and it's believable with his mannerisms yes, and the does. way, like, and then I always laugh. If you see him on Twitter, he'll, like, he'll have a, tw- a picture of him and Lance Archer drinking a beer and their smile. Yeah. It's, like, bizarre. Right, I know. Well, let's see, when I met him, I honestly did not know what to expect, because I met him at the Ring of Honor uh, show here in Chicago, uh, and, and literally, uh, like, there were a lot of people there, and it's just sort of like, who do I meet? I don't want to drop a ton of money on who I'm meeting. And it was just sort of like, okay, I'm doing Kushida, Suzuki, and Omega, like I'm, yeah, that's, those are the three I'm going for. I remember and, that uh, you texted me. Who 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 am I going? Who do I go here? You know? Yeah, uh, and and Kushida's super nice. He speaks English, you know, to a good degree, and 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 was just very very. Well, he very spent nice. like twelve years in Canada, so he should. Well, <laughs> you know, like he spent a long time over here, so it doesn't surprise me that he knows enough, like a serviceable use of the English language. Yeah. And then Suzuki also, Suzuki was super nice. You know, I mean, that's the thing. I, 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 I honestly just didn't know mm-hmm. what to expect. And, and, and I think that his English might be a little bit more limited, but he was, certainly was able to speak English. And, and, and but yeah, I, he just kind of well, Yeah, because you don't know like, if he's going to present his character. Right. Like, is he going to be kind of a dick? Yeah. Or is he going to be, you know, is he going to be, like, he's, there, you can't help but stand next to him and feel a little intimidated. So, so like, there was this, this moment where it's yeah. like, all right, I know, clearly he's not going to, like, choke me out in the middle of this room or whatever, but at the same time, it's just sort of like, this is a or Suzuki, like he could he could kill me if he wanted to. Um, and but, I don't uh, even think like in yeah. this match, I don't even think like it was twelve minutes. Naito never even took a shirt off. No, no, no. He, like, didn't he take was a shirt being off in, like in, in in any of these multi man tags. No, he just yeah. like he's so nonchalant about them. It's great. Yeah. But um, all right, let's get on to so the next, next match. Yeah. Is the seventh match? This is the one we want to talk about a little bit. It's the main event of the evening. Um, it was a 60-minute time limit. It was for the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships. You had the LIJ team of Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi take on El Desperado and Kenamaro. Yes. Uh, I, I really like this match a lot. I thought it was, I thought it was a damn good match. Um, I thought Hiromu, like anytime Hiromu was in the ring, I just was like, I want to see what he's going to do because he did some just great stuff. Um, you know, I... The finish made a lot of sense because yeah. of, I, 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 like, especially knowing what we know coming out of, of, of like, the, the show from Sunday, from the 29th, I feel like it, it makes a lot of sense that Takahashi and Bushi don't win the belts here. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
there were definitely a couple of moments where that's what I what's, what's what I wanted, you know. So they told a great story in that respect. Um, I thought Desperado and Katamaru, like man, they they, they work so well together. Yeah. And they make it like, and I love the antics. Like, I love how soon as the match started, Kanemaru was like eye gouging right out mm-hmm. of the shoot. Like, they weren't yeah. pulling any punches. Um, you know, you had El Desperado and Hiromo early on. They did that like slap and punch cut thing in the middle of the ring. And yeah. holy God, does, like, I know they all sound, maybe it's because it's a smaller arena when you watch them, so you right. hear more. But God, when Hiromo chops somebody, it sounds horrific. I know. Yeah, I totally wrote that down. I was like, Hiromu's chops. I mean, they all sound loud, but Hiromu's look like, like sound like they should kill somebody. Yeah. yeah. You know, and um, then you had a really cool spot where, I don't know if you caught it, Kanemaru did like a scorpion death drop on the outside to Bushi. Yeah. So that was yeah, pretty cause they, cool. Yeah, because they, they, they kind of took Bushi out of the match, which is funny because I think the heavyweight tag match, you know, similarly, they were able to take a guy out and isolate, you know, one member in a very, you know, which is old school wrestling psychology. It's not anything new. But I think that it was it was cool the way that, that they did it in both instances. Um, and, and so, uh, but the cool thing is, is that Bushi was able to kind of come back and he, and he actually blew mist in kind of Maru's face. Um, yeah. Which, Which is hilarious in the post match, wasn't it? Oh, I was laughing because in the post match, Suzuki Goon comes down oh, and he's God. talking, and you're looking at them, and you're like, Kanemaru's like green, like his yeah. face is just like greenish black color, and he's just like standing there. Like, yeah. But it, it made for an interesting like visual. Um, right. El Desperado hit a, hit a pretty wicked chair shot on Hiromu. Yeah, and then he did the oh. suplex. Uh, uh, there was a section though in the middle where I love. Well, I can watch Hiromu all day. Yeah, I mean yeah. nothing against the other three. I love them. In fact, I love Kanemaru, but. Yeah. Hiromu does is is not only is he smooth, he's so fast. And he went on a stretch where he hit like a, a dragon leg screw that looked vicious. Oh, then he yeah. did a, the, this double drop kick from the apron where he hit both the guys. Yep, I love that. And then and that right after he went for that sunset, like where he goes over the ropes to do the power bomb off the apron. Did he the, do? Did, you know, I, I, I he I, didn't get it, days. but he went for it. But did he also do, did he do the double, like, um, you know, Hurricane Rana had scissor takeover, whatever you call it, where he, like, gets his legs around both guys' heads and pulls them over? Did he do that in this match? You know what, I'm, it's been, like, a week now, I can't remember. Almost, I don't yeah. have it marked down in my notes, and I probably would have. All I know is, is that he, I th- I'm pretty sure I also wasn't taking the best notes during this, because I'm going to be... I was eating a gigantic bowl of ice cream while I was watching this. Oh, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, feel like, I feel like he did that, whether it was in this match or, or at some other point on the tour, uh, and it made me immediately think about how many times we see that in, in North America, and I feel like it looks fucking terrible because it basically just looks like a guy with his legs on two dudes' shoulders. Well, and yeah, it looks like a choreographer. It looks like a dance move, like they're working right, but together. When, but but when, fuck it, when Hiromu does it, it looks like, oh, he's literally like... Pulling well, it's them because over. he does it so fast yeah. that it's like a blur. It's just and it makes it look way more legitimate. Right. But um, then you get all four guys in the ring going at it. Yeah. Right. I have here too. I remember El Desperado hit a spear on Hiromu that looked like he should have went right through him. It looked like, like Hiromu should have yeah. like it looked like it should have been like a Mortal Kombat ending where you see the guys like the spine break and everything. He hit him so hard. Right. Um. Then yeah, Hiromo and Bushi did that sunset flip suplex maneuver that they, they, they like to do sometimes. Yep. I don't remember that. Then you had all the shenanigans with the mist and the, the you had the um the whiskey. The uh, rough bump. And yeah. The, yeah. And then they got, they got the belt in there because they hit the belt shot 
And then yeah. was it, and then he dropped him on the belt too. It wasn't just, yeah, it wasn't he, just did, that he hit him in the face with the belt. Then he dropped no, he him. Oh, he clobbered him, and then he did right his finishing. The yeah, the pin right on it. So that was the finish of the match. It was really well done. It was you know it was a twenty four minute match that felt like a ten minute match. Yeah, it, they. I mean, that's because it started right out of the shoot. There was no like warm up, and not that that's bad. Some matches start no. slow and build up, but these guys just maximized their time. They went at it, and and so like. The way I look at it, too, like, sometimes you get a match, and I'm not going to lie, like, I love watching them, but sometimes you get a match, you're kind of like, oh, okay, and then you're checking something on your phone, or you're, you know, you're going to the bathroom, like, this is one of those matches where I never took my eyes off of it. Definitely not, yeah, and I, I gotta be honest with you, I actually And that's like my version, that's a close, yeah, that's like the closest <laughs> thing I can tell you. Like, we don't rate matches, but, like, to me, if I'm not doing anything else and don't take my eyes off it, that's a pretty good compliment for the match. Right. Because I have the attention span of a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, so um, the uh, the the post match to this was also great because Suzuki comes out immediately is like telling people to shut up. He oh, like he he great. looks over it. He's like he calls some. He calls he, he's like he's like this chick is so ugly and her breast smells bad. I can smell it from here. Yeah. The, what do you say? The fat chick over there? Or yeah. The ugly chick or whatever. He says the ugly chick. Yeah, he says the but ugly chick over there with the bad breath. Because he yells, "Who yelled that? I'm going to murder you!" And he yeah. leaves the ring. <laughs> And he grabs a chair and <laughs> fires it in somebody's general direction. Yeah. I just, the thing is, is like, could you imagine, like, could you imagine WWE, any wrestler saying something like that? It's like, no, but it's so No, but perfect. back in the day, you used to have Ric Flair say stuff like that. Sure, like, right. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can get any girl I want in this arena, even that fat chick in the front row or something, but. Right, right, right. But when he, when he's like, who said that? I'll murder you. Like, yeah, I'll murder a, you. Oh, my God. Um, but it was just a great, it was a great promo. He, he, he slams the, yeah, the chair on the ground. I mean, he's like all about taking out Naito, proving that LIJ is nothing, that, you know, Naito's a fraud. Like, oh, it was just a great Great sort of like here's Suzuki Goon standing tall. They've retained their junior titles. And he's calling himself the king. Yeah, and you're so, being reminded of like the fact that this this other big match is happening as a part of this feud. Uh, it would yeah. I mean, in general I just context, it would it could it would have worked either way, but it, I guess it works more that they kept the Suzuki Goon Cup the belts. Yeah, you know, especially like you said, if this is going to be a lead up where Hiromu, especially if Hiromu winds up winning the best of the Super Juniors, it makes a lot more sense to not have the the junior tag belts on them at this point. Right. right. But that's and that's pretty much the the night of the twenty third in a nutshell. Yeah. Right. So I think we uh, covered. We... We'll go to the twenty fourth also let's in Cork and Hall. The first night, you the first night, the first match uh, was a twenty minute time limit match. You had Red Narita, Shoto Yumino, and Hiro Yoshi Tenzan take on on my boy Oka. Jushin Thunder Liger and Yuji Nagata. Um, very, very similar to the night before. Yuji Nagata picks up the win for his team with the Nagata Lock 2 at yeah. 9 minutes and 48 seconds. And, I mean, basically, this didn't further anything. This was just your standard Young Lion match each with the, like, paired with a veteran or an Oka's case paired with two veterans. They did their thing, but you knew one of the Young Lions was going to eat the pin or the submission. And that's basically what we have here. I do want to say two quick things about this match. <laughs> Nagata is awesome, and I love like immediately out of the gate he kicks the shit out of Narita off. Let the me apron. give you a little bit of a hint, a preview. If you like Nagata, I think <laughs> you're gonna like my classic match selection. Oh yes, I can't wait. So okay. Nagata kicks the shit out of Narita off the apron. He's got Umino down in the ring. He doesn't kick Tenzan off the apron, and there's that it's like that beautiful little piece of storytelling. 
And yes, one could probably argue that it's because if Tenzan fell off the apron, his body would crumble into a heap and he would never be able to get up again. Yeah, but, but... He, he's he he's not going to... Like, the other two haven't earned the respect to not get kicked off yet. Exactly. And then the second part of that that I wanted to say is that the Nagata-Umino, like, kind of that interaction between the two of them and that story, that growth that continues, is it, it, it's still kind of told well within the context of this match. So if you got 10 minutes I would, and you're interested at all in Nagata, check this out because I do think yeah. that, that it's worth... It's worth kind of just seeing the work that he does and and appreciating the fact that this guy, you know, even in his 50s, is still just an incredible storyteller and an incredible talent, and the way that he has gracefully transitioned to, you know, this veteran status on the bottom of the card, I, I think is lovely, as opposed to, you know, someone who, let's face it, if this was North America, we've seen it We've seen it before with guys just being like, yeah. oh, no, Daddy, I need to be at the top of the card. It's like, yeah. you know, no, you no. could do better at the bottom like this. Well, know? it's a guy, too, who's secure. Like, you know what I mean? He's, he's yeah, 50 years old now. He, yeah. Um, yeah. The second match, I'm not even going to comment. It was Sho, oh, Yo, and Rocky versus Taka, Tai Chi, and Azuka <sighs> again. This time, though, Sho got disqualified. I'm not sure the exact... Yeah. I can't remember the exact reason. It was kind of stupid. It's because they... It's because uh, show uh, He was caught holding the mic stand. Oh, after that's it right. After the ref. It was, yeah, I mean... It's the, your typical just... You know... It, the, skip the realistic it. It's nine skip, minutes. Yeah. Just skip it. <laughs> yeah, if you got... If you don't have the nine minutes. Okay. Uh, the third match, we had a tag match of Kushida, Elgin, and Makabe versus Osprey, Yoshihashi, and Yano. Um, Makabe picked up the wing with the King Kong knee drop onto Yano, yeah. <laughs> which is cool that he got his moment. But realistically, this match did the exact same thing as the other the match the night before. It was to yeah. get a little bit of heat on Kushida and Osprey. Um, I still, like, you watch these, and we don't need to delve into it, but you keep getting the feeling that we're going to see Elgin and Yoshihashi. I know totally. you mentioned that on the last car, like show, but they keep building up to that. You yeah. know, so we'll see. But there's really not much. I mean, except for it was nice to see Makabe get it, get the win. Other than that, there's really nothing that here in the interest no. of time, unless you have something. Right. I mean, because I'd think like to be able to is, get through all these, you know. Right. And I think that the thing is, is it's like, again, the interactions between Osprey and Kushida, it's sort of like it's worth noting that that happens. But it's not it's that you don't have to see this. It's match not something you absolutely that. have to see. It's not that they did something that you're like, oh, my God, I have to see their singles match because you're going to exactly. probably watch the singles match anyway. But it's exactly. not like it's the worst eight minutes you're ever going to spend either. If you're watching the, the show, like I, I would skip over the, the show yo match against over this. Right, like and, and I would argue, to get I would argue even that the that the Osprey um, uh, uh, Okada versus Tanahashi and Kushida match tag team match that happened on the on the twenty nine or twenty seventh, excuse Seven. me, was yeah. more important mm-hmm. to the overall story between the two of them than like this match. You know, yeah. So yeah. this was just this was almost like just a reminder that they're here. Right. The fourth the match, match, which yeah. yeah, the next match I was actually surprised with. Um, it was Toa Hanare versus Tomohiro Ishii. Now this went 15 minutes and 20 seconds, and Ishii picked up the win with his vertical brain buster. But I'm going to be honest with you, this was the least annoying Toa Hanare I've ever seen. Totally. He now he still does his idiotic shit where they got to stereotype him as this warrior, you know. But I thought they gave him a little bit. Now, granted, too, it's a singles match. So he had more time, but right. if he if he wrestled more like this and toned down some of the antics a little bit, maybe I could get behind him a little bit more because I don't dislike the guy, and he does a couple things well. It's just that in the multi-man matches, he doesn't get a lot of time, so he does the same things over and over and over. Yeah, you know, which is like, not necessarily true of, of other guys that we see in multi-man, so it does stick out. Well, it always goes back to this point I make that he almost feels like he's 
not quite graduated from being a young lion. He's like a young lion that was allowed to have a gimmick. Yeah, right. No, that's a but, really good but point. But hopefully, and, and you know what, I felt the same way about Finley for a while, and he's starting to break out. So totally. maybe, you know, they'll find his, find his niche and, and break out a little bit at some point. But right now, he's still going to be lost in the shadows a little bit. But the mat, the fact that they gave him a 15-minute singles match against a guy like Ishii, well, Ishii yeah. yeah, that shows that they at least want to elevate him a little bit or that they have plans for him long-term. Now, what they are, like, I don't think you're going to see Toa Hanari as your world champion anytime soon. No. But, you know, you can get out of this, like, this little rut that he's been in since he came back. Yeah. So I want to say real quick about Ishii, like how incredible is Ishii just in general? But the thing specifically that was awesome in this match is that Hinare like really like comes out strong, you know, really kind of dominates the first portion of the match uh, in spite of some back and forth with the chops and that sort of stuff. But at one point he just really lights into like the midsection and Ishii at one point ends up like taking over but he sells his ribs before he hits the punch and i was like that is freaking brilliant like that that to me is what wrestling is all about because Mm -hmm. you see so many times where it's just sort of like a guy sells for like two seconds and then all of a sudden he's like oh i gotta get my spot in and the thing that you see so much in new japan uh and and it really it's for you know a lot of the guys i'm not just saying you know it's ishii but in the context of this match the way that he did that sells the ribs hits the punch, still selling. It's just sort of like, I am hurt, but I'm going to fuck you up if I get the chance. Like, it was, well, we it said was at the great. last show, Ishii's like the, the unsung hero. He's always there. He always puts on a good match. He, he's really good in his role, and but he always gets like, he's not in the title picture or anything like that, at least not right now. But well, and how, the people's and how champ. was the way that he put over Hinare after, even he won the match, but after the match, he was still... Like he was still hurting, and yeah. I think that 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 uh, you know it elevates Hinare in a way that says like this guy was able to take a chunk out of Ishii even though Ishii won. Yeah, he, and that's he just didn't like win, but he went toe to toe with Ishii for fifteen minutes, and he really even though he lost, it wasn't like he got whooped. So right. yeah, they both come out of it good, yeah. looking good. Um, the fifth match we have. A multi-man tag, a ten-man yep. tag. You have L.A.J., which is Hiromu, Bushi, Sonata, Evil, and Naito versus the Suzuki Goon team of Despera- El Desperado, Kanemaru, uh, K.E.S., and Minoru Suzuki. Um, this went 13 minutes, 27 seconds, and Suzuki hit the gotch pile driver on Hiromu. Um, you know, there's some good moments in this match, but this is basically just heating everybody up for the shows that are coming. Totally. You know, because yeah, you're going to have, after this, you're going to have the Naito and Suzuki on the 29th. You're going to have the Evil and Sonata go up against Davey Boy and KES on the 29th. And then you also on that show had Bushi, Bushi Hiromu, Desperado, and Kanemaru have two singles matches. Yeah, yeah. So, so a quick question for you. Uh, did you, because, like, I, I thought this match was a lot of fun, and again, it helped to set up a lot of cool stuff, but uh, the, the you know, Suzuki isolating Naito's leg, going after, you know, just mauling that leg, um, but I thought Hiromu got some cool stuff in on Suzuki before he ate the pin, which was nice. Sonata looked really good. Uh, but for me, I was really interested in the post-match stuff because I had I have not, uh, unfortunately, watched the any of the translation of this post-match. But I know that Suzuki, like, 
had some words for Naito, leaves the ring, and then Naito, like, got on the mic and started, you know, basically, like, calling out Suzuki and having some fun yeah. there. Was that when he did the whole Emperor's No Clothes thing? Yes, yes, okay, I'm trying, I, I think, because, okay. you know, the three nights blend together. But right. I know over the course of the three nights, he did the whole Emperor's going to be naked, have no clothes. And he goes this great line about how he still thinks the Intercontinental Belt is trash. It's meaningless, yeah. It's meaningless, yeah. but he just wants to take it because it's Suzuki's treasure. Yep. Yeah, he just uh, wants to take it from him. So that was great. <laughs> and I don't know if it was this night or the next night in the post match backstage stuff. He brings up a gr- he makes this great point that he's not only going to take Suzuki's treasure, he's going to help break up Suzuki Gun, Suzuki yeah, Gun, and the yeah. way he's going to do it because he says what's going to happen when basically, and I'm paraphrasing, when I beat you, but I lost to Zack Saber, right? Like implying there's going to be. You know, Zack Sabre's going to get sick of playing second fiddle when he beat Naito and Suzuki Gooden. And it's just it's just this little thing that he drops out. And I'm sure, like, nothing's done on accident over there. No. So you'll see that at some point. And, and, and no, in New Japan, it could be two years from now. I well, mean, how I long did... Be, I no, I know, but, like, how that. long did we wait from the Kenny Omega when he made that look backstage with um, Kota Ibushi? Right. That was, like, two years ago. AJ right. Styles was there. And and we're just getting the payoff this year. So you don't know when they're going to get to it. But these little seeds that they plant that are eventually going to be trees. I know, have a just, feeling, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I have a feeling that either by King of Pro Wrestling or it could be a Wrestle Kingdom match, which I'd be fine with. Suzuki and Zach. See, oh, yeah. And that fucking match will be off the charts incredible. Like, that match will be everything that you could imagine from Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Like, that's a match that I want to see. And uh, yeah, I just think it'll be it'll be great. It'll be brilliant. Yeah. But so that's basically that. Then you get to yeah. the sixth match, which is Taguchi, Juice, and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Ghetto, Goto, and Okada. Now the yeah. big takeaway from this: this is again to heat up Okada Tanahashi for wrestling Dantaku. It right. also drew some heat on Juice and Hiroki Goto, who are going to wrestle in the main event of the next show. But the big takeaway from this is Okada did a tombstone on the it was on the apron. On yeah. Tanahashi. Like, this is just that... And he, hits, and he hit a second one outside the ring on the mat. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's... Like, yeah. he's just looking to destroy him. No respect. Yeah, and it, each time they have an interaction, it's getting worse. It went from just being disrespectful to calling him a bastard. Now it's it's escalated to this. So they're doing a real nice job of slowly building up heat for their match, which is amazing because you really don't even need to. The fact that you have Okada and Tanahashi in a title match is reason enough to watch. Right. But, but they're doing a good job. And I like the fact that I like Okada more when he acts like this. When like he's kind of dick, yeah. The arrogant dick who knows he's the best. And he flaunts it. Like when they showed that little video of him driving a Ferrari or whatever it was, like he's better than everybody. Like the whole idea of like the Okada bucks when he stuffs them down people's throats sometimes. Like I like that Okada. Yeah. So we're seeing more of that. And, you know, if he had to be the heel here, because there's no way you can make Tanahashi the heelish guy at this point. No, no. I mean, and that's worked in the past in certain arenas against certain people, but I don't think it's going to work in this case with, yeah, with Okada. No, I don't think so. The Uh, match itself wasn't super important. It was more just the lead up. No, but how cool was the fucking suplex that, uh, that Goto hit 
on juice onto Tanahashi. Like I thought that was, yeah, that was a nice. really nice spot. The other thing that was interesting is Tanahashi was rocking some gloves and he was missing the arm sleeve. Which yeah. is the first time we've seen him without that arm sleeve. Now he had it back on at, at you know the next show, but I did think it was interesting enough to note it's like, oh he's not wearing the sleeve and he's got these gloves on. I was like, alright, he kinda of, in a way it's just sort of like, is he is he is he like, you know, paying his respects to AJ Styles, you know, like, because yeah, it kind of, it reminded me with the, with the gloves and just the overall presentation. Um, yeah, it's, but, it was strange, but, uh, But there was know. another, another thing when Ghetto, uh, when Okada had Tanahashi in the Cobra Clutch and Ghetto, like, yells into the ring, you quit now, motherfucker! And I was yeah. like, oh, shit! Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a good, good build match. Now we get to the main event of the evening. And what you had was it was a 60 minute time limit for the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. The challenger, David Finley, took on the champion, Jay White. Now, the match went 26 minutes, 49 seconds, and it ended with Jay White hitting Blade Runner for the pin. Now, let me just say, I loved this match. Me too. Okay, I, I think would, out of all the three title matches, the junior match, this match, and then on the third night was the uh, never open match, this one was yeah. my favorite of the three. And I liked yeah. all three, but this one was my favorite of the bunch. I agree. Um, I I'm just, agree. I, I, like, this is one, like, oh, and I'm, nor- I'm horrible with taking notes, and I'm looking, like, I have an entire notebook page filled with notes from this. Yeah. Like, I was totally into this, and it took me, like, an hour to watch because I was trying to take good notes. Like, so when something would happen, I would pause it to write because I didn't want to miss what was coming was next. Coming. Yeah. You know, totally. I'm like, I love it. Like small stuff that I even put like right when the match starts, like Jay White's being a weasel. He hides behind red shoes. He pulls them over yeah. and hides behind them. Yep. And it was, it was nice. And it, you know, it's good for both of these guys, not only to be in a feud like this, but it's nice, especially for Finley that they, they allowed him to main event a card. Now, yeah. I know it's not Wrestling Dantaku or Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion, but it's still a big show and a lead-up to a big event, and they finally have a little bit of faith to put him into a big-time match, and I think they totally delivered. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, Jay White, this is the match I, of his career. I agree. And so Jay far. White, now, I don't know if he's been, like, it might be new for him to be in the main event, but, I mean, this was a guy that was wrestling Tanahashi third from the top at Wrestle Kingdom. Right. And I will say this, like, and that please don't take it as a knock on Tanahashi, but... This match was the best I think I've seen Jay White will look. Absolutely like, agree. I, I thought, and that's, I thought the and that's match even with, after a match with Omega. Yeah, no, I thought the match with Omega was better than the match with Tanahashi. But yes. I think this was better than both of them, Like, which is good. He's, I don't know if it's a question of he's progressing or they gave him more time. You know what I mean? Or just maybe because he's because he's known Finley so long, they worked well together. But it was just a, such a good match. And yeah. not only is it good for both of them, I think it's, it's a good for New Japan because they were able to put two Gaijin in the main event yeah. on a card where the fans were into it oh, and the yeah. young guys they're young guys so this bodes well for the future. The fans love Finley too. Finley was so over as a babyface oh, in this yeah. match. Oh yeah, I even wrote here like you don't see that often and I love it. The crowd was thought, chanting for him. Yeah, and, and 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 like everything he did felt like it meant something. The match felt so layered. There was some great brawling outside. There's like, some great was, mat wrestling. It was in. such was, small stuff. Know, like I even hear like when they brawled outside for the first time, right? Finley yeah. threw Jay White into the chairs. Yeah. Then he takes a chair and sits down backwards on the chair and just like taunts Jay White. 
Yeah. Like a small thing like that, but it made it like they, they did a really good job of making this feel like a personal war between Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And the thing is, is Jay White got it back in a beautiful way when he put the Boston Crab on Finley and he's like, do you remember this? Do you remember this young boy? Yeah. Like it was so, it was just so nice and so well done. So much of the stuff. Like I agree with you. In fact, I got to be honest with you. I'm undecided, so, you know, don't send me your hate mail yet, but I might say this is the best title match on the entire road to Dantaku so far, and that includes Naito and Suzuki. I didn't want to get ahead of myself, but I absolutely agree. Yeah. And I and I think part of it is just because it's fresh. These are two guys, and, like, and I think, and this might sound silly, but, like, when you look at Finley, an example, right? Like, I think I love the match, too, because it was so good, and I want to root for him not just to win the title i want to root for this guy to finally get a little bit of a push or to be elevated like when you watch naito and suzuki these guys are established yes this was finley's opportunity to try to like to to move up and i thought he hit out of the park like to me he's a made guy now that was like totally you know um, and like and I said, the thing was, is, is they, 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 you know, uh, again, not to get ahead of ourselves, but they did keep him looking kind of strong in the next couple of nights, which I thought was great. Another yeah. thing that I loved is that, you know, clearly White has no respect for Finley, but the crowd clearly did. You know, White is spitting at Finley. There's the, all oh, those table spots. Oh, my God. Oh. Like, well, they, brutal. When he put him on the, t- when he did the move on the table and did the backbreaker or the, the power bomb, it didn't break. Yeah. Oh, he also hit, and I thought it was great. I love Jay White when he does that real quick. Was it like a dragon suplex? Yeah, he does it so quick and like like powers right through it. Um, then he hit a really nice backbreaker. I was laughing though. Did he do like I don't know if it's exactly the same, but he basically did the last chancery. Did you catch oh, that? Well, it's the Mudo lock. He he. Yes, yeah. but you're right. It is, but it's but I think in New Japan specifically, like anytime you see that move, like you're thinking of of. KG Mudo, you're not thinking of, you know, yeah. Austin Aries. But then he God did like him. um he did like a face buster into a German yeah. suplex, a double leg drop yeah. kick off the top rope. Then he put him in like a lion tamer, basically. Yeah. It wasn't That's a what bar- he was doing the do yeah. you remember do you remember? Yeah. Because yeah. it was, it was crab like a, it was, first, but then he transitioned it then into Then he that transitioned lion up. Yeah. I know like it was great. Then he suplexed Finley over the top to the outside, so they were back out there. They're yeah. brawling outside. Finley hits him with a clothesline on the back of the neck that was pretty vicious looking. Then he spears him for a two count. Yeah. And then Finley hit Blade Runner on Jay White. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Love that. Now they're back to fighting on the apron. That's when he power bombs him on the table and the damn thing didn't break. And that looked like it had to hurt like a son of a bitch. Oh, hell so, yeah. But then he like he covered for it because he did the, like the, the elbow off the apron. So they went through the table. Yep. You know, it was so good. Then, then Jay White hit him with the brain buster and he goes for the Blade Runner. But how about when he reversed it right into like going into the, the lumbar check? Doctor. Yeah, into the lumbar check. Yeah. Then he went into the, yeah. It was so nice how he did that. Like, cause well, now, here's, first, but here's first something he that I have Bla- to... Well, he did it twice. Because first he went for Blade Runner, and he reversed it into Prima Nocta, but, but they were too co- he couldn't cover him. Right. Then, well, but, then but he but did the Blade Runner again. That's when he reversed it into the, bl- the lumbar check. Right, but the thing about the, but the Prima Nocta is, is that he, he couldn't cover him right away. But and he, he didn't did cover, catch it all. Him. And then, but then, but then there was the count, and, and I gotta, and I gotta, I gotta point this out because it's one of those things that it's such a nitpicky thing, but it really bugs the shit out of me. I hate when the fucking wrestlers watch the referees count, and it was oh, a close up on Jay White's face. At this point, face. they all do it, and no, they don't. No, they don't. No, that not is not all, true at but all. I, oh, okay, a vast majority. You see it more than you ever did before. You see it more in North American wrestling. You don't see it a lot in New Japan. Yeah, when you see the guy's eyes wide open looking at the ref, you know he's kicking out. Yeah, 
And so it's you just know, like it's one of those things that takes you out. And and like I'll never forget Stone Cold Steve Austin said this in one of his podcasts. He's like, yeah. if you're watching the ref is count, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And 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 I think that the thing is too, especially for those New Japan referees because they're so solid. It's like you can depend on their cadence. Is it me you too? Don't... Well, Red Shoes has the slowest cadence I've ever well. seen. <laughs> like, it, 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 and it's funny when a guy hits a move. It takes him a while to get down to even do the pin. Yeah. Like you watch like North American wrestling, they're like the refs are diving and doing their count. Like Red Shoes takes his time, he gets down, but but even though he does a slow count, I think it's the same count every time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So you well, should. One other if, thing. One other thing that I want to that I want to mention that I thought was really cool too is that when um, Jay White like pulled Finley's hair and spun him around to that lariat like that was oh, yeah. I thought that was so great. There was so yeah, it was just a, such a great match. Now after he reversed the Blade Runner into the lumbar check, it was right after that is when Jay White finally hit Blade Runner on him. Yeah, he re- and it was great because he reversed the prima nocta, which is we'd yeah. see the reverse of what we'd seen before. And yeah, he hits the Blade Runner out of that and gets the win. Now now um, they have this awesome match, right? Yeah. Then I love the fact that Jay White gets the bike. Yeah. And at first, like, he's putting over Finley a little bit. He's like, you showed you belong in the main, in the event, main event and everything. Yeah, yeah. But then he turns, he's like, I love when he's like, but you don't belong with me. And he tells them, get this piece of shit out of here. Yeah. Like, that's exactly like, get this piece of shit out of the ring and everything. It was great. Yeah. Like, Finley's giving him a look. Like, that's a feud I wish they would heat up because I want to see more of that. Agreed. I agree. And the thing is, is like, I feel like Dave Finley absolutely established himself as not only a legitimate threat to this specific title, but as someone who deserves to hold the title at some point in time, whether that means he gets to come back and beat, you know, Jay White at, at, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom or, or Dominion yeah. King of Pro Wrestling, whenever we see this rematch or who knows, maybe Jay White drops the belt and then Dave Finley beats whoever beats, you know, Jay White. I wouldn't mind seeing this belt though. Like the way that like in the junior right now you have Osprey, Kashida, and Hiromu who's like your triangle. Yeah. I wouldn't even care if you had one more guy and they these three kind of traded the belt around and kept this belt relevant because like to be honest with you, you know, the ne- not to jump ahead and we'll critique it in a minute but I enjoyed the Juice Goto match the next night. Me but too. But the, these two guys the way they did the match it made the US title feel more important than the Never Open belt. I agree. Like it made it feel important. Now it's not the world title and it's not the, the Intercontinental belt but like if these guys, I wouldn't even mind if they like were main eventing other cards, like smaller cards or closer to the top for the U.S. belt, because the way they did this match, and, and this is the first time they did it, you got to figure that they can take it up a notch from here. I completely agree, and I would honestly say that at this point, like they are the trajectory. I'm not saying it's quite there yet, but the trajectory for the U.S. belt is to be on par with if not even slightly ahead of the Intercontinental Belt. Because let's face it, the Intercontinental Belt is no longer, and at one time it was, there's no argument about it, there was one time when the Intercontinental Belt was on par with the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, well, not Those belts were the same, exactly. They were in the same stratosphere and that is no longer the case and a lot of that has to do with Okada's reign and you know etc. Yeah. But but I would argue that maybe the next thing to happen is to put the US belt on par with, if not slightly above maybe even that intercontinental belt, just because of the expansion the way they're going. As it of makes right total now, sense. I certainly say again, I would say the trajectory for that belt is to say that it is on par with the intercontinental belt. We'll see what happens. Now, here's the thing, too, and this is going to sound crazy, and I don't want to compare anything to WWE because that's not exactly our realm on this podcast. But I'm going to say something crazy. I like this match a lot more than I liked AJ and Shinsuke at Nakamura or, or at WrestleMania. 
Oh, yeah, totally. Without and I know that sounds crazy. I'm like, I was so hyped up for that match. And this match I was looking forward to, but I didn't think we were going to get what we got. Maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe we liked it. I don't know what the general, like, I didn't look at, like, Reddit or anything or Twitter about it. Right. But, I mean, to me, this match had some of everything. And they, like, it, it seemed personal. They brought it outside. You saw great wrestling. You saw the pe- two people care. Like, I just, I can't say enough good things about this match. I don't rate I matches. That's not what I do. But this is a match I could sit down in 26 minutes. If somebody, like if I had a buddy come over and never saw it, I could fire it right up and watch this match again like with no hesitation. I agree. And I, I, I would say that it felt it felt like a very complete match in so much as that you just got, you got a little bit of everything. They really told a wonderful story. It felt like a main event. It felt like, you know, it's funny that you do mention AJ and Nakamura because I feel like had this match been, you know, this match would... This match would easily headline any WWE event. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this match was 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 that was that kind of quality good. And I'm I, not, again, I'm, I'm I'm not saying that it's like it's not Okada Omega. It's not you know like we're gonna talk later about Okada Shibata. It's not that match. It's not you know. But it was a great match, and I felt like it elevated both competitors. When which you at the have end a match, day, yeah. When you have a match. And even the guy who lost the match walks away in a better position than when he walked in, then yep. everybody did their job, and it clicked. Exactly. exactly. That's all I can say about that. I mean, it was just, I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen it, watch the match. If you think me and Sam are nuts, tweet us. Send <laughs> let us, us know. Let, yeah. let us know. But I, if, I don't know how you can be a wrestling fan, especially a New Japan fan, and not like that match. I agree. I agree. It was a great, great way to close out that show and definitely one of the highlights of the Road to Dantaku, if not the highlight of Road to Dantaku. I agree. Cool. All right. So, um, all right. So we are on to uh, well, the, Thursday, the, April yeah, 26th, the 26th, which was the, non-televised. Yes. It was from Kokogawa Gymnasium, if I'm saying that right. It, it, their website's even nice enough to give it the address. Yeah. But uh, I think <laughs> 10, that's kind of, yeah, I'm looking at it too. Um, I don't even want to pronounce the next word, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, this was a non-televised show, but just we're going to run down the results real quick just so everybody – you know, you can look them up on uh, NJPW 1972 if you want. But um, basically, your first match was uh, Ren Narita versus Suji. It went eight minutes and five seconds, and Suji tapped out to the Boston Crab. Uh, the second match was also Young Lions. It was Umino versus Yuminora. Yumora. I Uamura. hate saying that. Well, I, I can't say that name for the life of me. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, and that's not even trying to put the first name with it, which makes it even worse. But Uwa, Yuya Uamura. Yuya Uamura. Okay. There you go. Um, Umino won at 8 minutes, 18 seconds, also with the Boston Crab. Third match, we had Tiger Mask and Yuji Nagata took on my boy Oka and Jushin Thunder Liger, which is an interesting pairing. Um, yes. It went eight, eight minutes, 29 seconds, and the match ended with Yuji Nagata's backdrop hold the belly, when he does the belly, the belly suplex into the pin, yeah. and he obviously hit it on Oka. The Great. fourth match, <laughs> for like, it seemed like the million time, oh, we Jesus. have Sho, Yo, and Rocky beating Taka, Taichi, and Azuka on a disqualification at nine minutes and 40 seconds. Um, yeah. I, I, the only thing I'm going to say, and I'm not going to, I know I was going to say anything. Like, if they're going to do this match so many times, they should have just made it variations. Like, one night we should have got Yo versus Ta, Tai Chi in a singles match. Or showing Yo versus Taka and Tai Chi, just to change it up a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, 
The fifth match, another repeat. We have Finley, Togi, Togi Makabe, Michael Elgin, and Tohanari took on the team of Yoshihashi, Yoshihashi uh, Yano, Tomohiro Ishii, and Jay White. This match went 11 minutes, 29 seconds, and Yano did his patented schoolboy on Toa Hanare, <laughs> which um, um, suddenly I just once would like to say that it ended with the Toa bottom tonight, but I'm not going to get that opportunity. No, unfortunately okay. not. <laughs> the sixth match, uh, we have the, the LIJ team of Hiromu, Bushi, Sonata, Evil, and Naito took on Desperado, Kanemaru, KES, and Suzuki again. And the only difference in this match was that Suzuki hit the gotch pile driver on Bushi, Bushi not Hiromu. Yeah, right. But it went 12 minutes, 41 seconds. Um, the seventh match was Taguchi, Kushida, Juice, and Hiroshi Tanahashi took on Gato. I'm sorry, Ghetto. I always call him Gato. Ghetto, Osprey, Goto, and Okada. The match went 16 minutes, 53 seconds, and Juice hit Pulp Friction on Ghetto. Which I guess um, is worth noting there that it's kind of nice yeah. too, that they kept that they 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 made Juice look strong in that main event match for that show going into which makes sense because he's going into the next match. night yeah right with the title match so yeah uh, yeah yeah there we have it so so that's for that one let's uh, let's go on to uh, the Hiroshima um, Road to Don Taku show on Friday April the twenty seventh. Oh, I'm sorry, I had myself muted there for a second. That's all right, um, these things happen. Yeah, it. yeah. Okay, um. so we get to the 27th. It's in Hiroshima. Or yes. Hiroshima, whoever you, however you want to say that. Um, all right, so we start out with Ren Narita took on Umen, Umora. Umora, Umora. Yeah, Umora uh, you're going to have to say this name. I don't know why that <laughs> won't come out of my mouth. Um, but it went four minutes, 43 seconds, and it ended with Narita tapping him out with the Boston Crab. Yeah. Um, basically the same match as the night before. Yeah, the sec- you know, it was the standard s- Young Lions yeah. stuff. It wasn't, yeah, nothing, and, and nothing, the thing is it was short. Yeah, you know? four minutes is short even by Young Lions standards, but right. they, must, they wanted the, the time later on in the night. So yeah. we get to the second match. We have Shota Umino, my boy Oka, Yuji Nagata, took on Taguchi, Tiger Mask, and Jushin on their Liger, and the match ended at eight minutes and six seconds with Taguchi hitting the Dodon on Umino for a pin. Yeah, which I, I do want to, you know, I don't want to belabor this because obviously we've talked about it already, but I will say that, again, it really played well into the story with Umino and, and Nagata. And this time they're on the same team, and Umino does that, you know, that young lion thing where he really wants the tag when he can sense that the other guys, you know, is, is almost out. And so he goes for the tag. Nagata gives yeah, it Yeah, they to always want to cherry pick a win. Right, and then Taguchi ends up, you know, beating him, and and it's sort of it plays into that wonderful story where it's just sort of like Umino clearly isn't there yet, and Nagata is disappointed afterwards. But I love how Nagata like, will know. give him the tag even though he knows he shouldn't. Right, like right, okay, right, right. kid, you know. Well, right, because I yeah. guess for Nagata, it's just sort of like no, you know, I ain't got, I, it's a, I ain't got it nothing is a great to prove. Role. Yeah, it is, a, and you touched on it earlier. It is a great role for Nagata to be put yeah. in this position, like where he's almost like a mentor and a teacher to the young lions. It's a way to keep him relevant and keep him in there without having him like at the top of the card. Right. And there, you know, there's something to be said for what he does at the bottom, like or, or at the beginning of the card. Totally agree. And the stuff that he's been doing on young lions project. Yeah. And, yeah Great yeah. for him. Good hats off. Or as I like to say, good on him. Yeah, All right. Him, yeah. Good on him. The third match. Jesus, again, they want to take, want to guess show yo and Rocky versus Taka Taichi and Azuka. This went nine minutes and four seconds. And it ended when they hit uh, show and yo hit their move, the three K. 
Oh, it's a pinfall, not a DQ. Yay. Yeah, wow, they changed it up. Somebody actually got pinned in this match. Whatever. But whatever. No, oh, wow, how about that? Yeah. All right, the fourth <laughs> match. This is getting old, too. Toa Hanari, Michael Elgin, Togi Makabe, and David Finley took on the team of Yoshihashi, Yano, Tomohiro Ishii, and Jay White. This ended with an Elgin bomb onto Yoshihashi at 7.51, which is interesting because we keep getting the feeling that they're going to match these two up at some point. And on like basically the last row to show, Elgin actually pins Yoshihashi with this move. Right, which I, you know, I, I, I had some people, I think, sort of speculating that Elgin would potentially then go on to, to maybe face like White or, or, or Goto. And I think that... Obviously, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, I, I think that there's a very good chance that 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 is correct as far as Goto is concerned because it does seem like perhaps they're positioning Elgin. Yeah, for I would that rather. Spot. It, I would rather see Elgin go after Goto. Yeah, I think totally. that match that's a better match, and I think it makes more sense for the Never Title. Yeah, I mean, we kind of if you're not if you're if you're actually listening to this for results, we just gave stuff away a little bit, but I think by this point you know. But right, that right, that's an right. interesting dynamic. We'll see where that goes. Now we get to the fifth match. Again, this is another match that we I've called how many times tonight. But Hiromu, Bushi, Sonata, Evil, and Naito take on El Desperado, Kanemaru, Davy Boy Smith, Lance Archer, and Suzuki. The match goes 15 minutes and 50 seconds, and it ends when Naito hits the Destito on Kanemaru. Again, this match was nothing more than to build up the matches that were going to appear on the 29th card. Right, and I would certainly argue that one of the things that we've seen um, kind of throughout the... And I don't mean to poo-poo the match. I'm just saying that it's... No. You know, I mean, that's, you know. There was nothing, but there's nothing in it. I did not feel like... Whereas some of the other matches, I felt like really sort of moved the ball forward as far as the storytelling between L.I.J. and Suzuki Gunwit, and specifically Suzuki and Naito. This match did not feel like that match. And so I think that the one thing that it did do... Um, which has been a, a kind of a hallmark of the Road 2 shows, and just in general when it comes to Naito, is it keeps the Destino looking strong as yeah. a finishing move, which which is important. So, yeah, um, so yeah it was what it was. It, it did a good job for setting the stage for the matches that, that are coming up with the group, so mm-hmm. I you know, can't complain. But at the same time, if you want to if you, if you save 16 minutes, you can skip it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now we get, we get to the main event, which is a 60-minute time limit match for the Never Openweight Championship. Here the challenger, Juice Robinson, took on the champion. And yeah. just for reference sake, he's the 17th champion, Hiroki Goto. The match yes. went 26 minutes, thir- 20, 26 minutes, 36 seconds, and it ended when Goto hit the GTR for the pin. Now, I like this match. Me too. I thought this match was... I liked it more than I thought I was going to like it. I'm not the world's biggest fan of Goto. I don't have anything against him. I just sometimes feel that he's bland and I lose, you know, some interest. But I, I like Juice more than you like Juice, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, but and I, I thought, like Goto more than you like Goto. So, yeah, it balances out. <laughs> um, the only thing I would say out of this match is out of the three title matches on these three shows, this was the one where the outcome surprised me the most. I really thought they were building this up for Juice to take this title. Yeah, and know, I'm a little that. disappointed that he didn't because I think Juice having the title, the benefit is a lot more than go the the what you lose with Goto losing the title. Like I don't think Hiroki Goto loses much if he loses the Never title. You know what I mean? I think he's just kind of like it. It doesn't really hurt him because you could put him into so many different other things. Like and, and he's held the title before. He's held other the IC title. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, would you we're, would you say? Here's a question: Would you say that Goto has, in essence, after this match, and, and certainly just kind of with his standing in the company, has maybe been turned into a bit of like a gatekeeper? Like, in other words, like 
you know, go. No, I, I know what you're saying. I yeah. To me, and again, not to go back to it, it feels almost like if you had in WWE put a belt like one of the low tier belts on Dolph Ziggler. You have sure. a guy that's not going to win the, and I don't know, maybe that's not the best reference because he's actually been the champion twice, although unforgettable reigns. Um, sure, but I mean, that you know, the fans like to watch wrestle because he's good in the ring, but he's never going to be the man. You give him a lower tier belt, you know, it adds some stability. It, he legitimizes it to a certain degree. Like Goto is well respected, so he definitely has gotten this spot where he's a gatekeeper, which is good and bad, I guess. I mean, it gives you a role within the company. He, Right, and the thing about Goto is, is like, I honestly, and I don't mean, I, I'm not trying this to, to, to belittle him by saying this at all. I mean, I'm saying this as a compliment. I mean, he's just a hell of a hand in the ring. Like, the guy, like, I, I understand where you're coming from as far as maybe his charisma and his presentation at this particular point, but he's just so good in the ring, and well, he's helped to elevate, like, he, like, if it wouldn't be for him, and I mean this, and I know that there are people out there that will disagree with me, but if it would not be for him, Omega would not have been ready to face Okada at the Tokyo Dome in a lot of fans' eyes in Japan. Well, like yeah, he, but the fact that we're even, whether you agree or not, you could have that conversation shows where Goto is. Sure. You know, it just surprised me because I don't think he needs the, the never open weight belt. I think he could. You could easily put him in a tag team and, and go that route. You could put him with two other guys from Chaos and go after the the, the, the six man belts if you really wanted to. It wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility to eventually have Goto go after the U.S. belt. Whatever you wanted to do, I just thought that the never putting the never title on Juice right now just made a ton of sense because you, whether you like him as much as I do or not, you got the feeling that. The, the people who call the shots there definitely like him because they have yeah, pushed him without a doubt. And, and, you know, he look, he came out of this match definitely elevated in my eyes while I and I get where you're coming from. And I don't disagree that maybe I'm not maybe saying it's it a travesty been... or it's an awful decision. Right. I just thought they would have pulled the trigger on him now. Sure. And I and I totally get that. And I'm not disagreeing with you wildly you know, or anything like that. But I will say that even even with the loss for this fan, for me specifically, he definitely came out looking better to me. Now, yeah. I, again, I think that he's over to a lot of people. There are a lot of people that like him more than I do. I think I'm kind of in the minority. But, I, but again, I certainly think that out of this match, I look at him in a different light than I did when he went into it. And, and that's a more positive one. So... Well, I'm not going to disagree with you. I just don't know where he, he should... goes from here. Sure, sure. I get that. Do you know what I mean? I get like that. Like, listen, who am I? First of all, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. I'm not trying to say that. Right. I'm just saying I was slightly surprised, but I understand what they did. I just thought when you build this up with three nights in a row, two of title shots, and I know W, or I'm, I almost called them WWE, New Japan doesn't like to hot potato the belts all that much. Right. It's like some belts they do more than others, but I thought, A, because it's a neverweight belt, B, right. juice is getting pushed. This would have been the most likely scenario, like out of the three matches where a title change occurred. Yeah, but it didn't. Yeah. But as the match itself, it was good. I mean, there was a lot of back and forth op action. Um, there was like a juice at a crossbody to the outside. He whipped him over the guardrail. Oh yeah, that crossbody was really nice. Actually, I liked the point where he was run away and uh, Goto pulled him back by his hair. Yeah, into the guardrail. Yep. Uh, it was like a really nice Goto hit a, nice, a nice, real nice neck breaker off the top. And then he did the elbow. You yeah, know, Juice, Juice sold, does his thing. Sold it like a million bucks too. Yeah, and I like when Juice does his thing when he does the punches. Hit a real nice clothesline, and when he got Goto in the corner, he did like the cannonball move. 
Yeah. Um, he went off the top and the outside. He hit a German, but then like there was he, a, he got like he got like a two count no, after that cannonball too. Yeah. Um, Goto hit the neck breaker. They're going back and forth with the punching. This was all leading up towards the end. I mean, it. it, it well, I like was an the, awesome. One of the spots that I loved is when Juice went for the pulp friction and Goto uh, uh, countered it into the sleeper. I thought that was really yeah. great, and I think that it played in well too with the damage that had been done to you know Juice's neck earlier. And like, I just thought that that was a really cool moment. I thought that you know Goto clearly had that you know there was the big target on Juice's neck. Was there um, a point in this match where Goto hit a GTR and Juice kicked out of it? Or did he do uh, a modified, like, uh, or was it one of those, um... He, uh, no, so what happened was is he hit the GTR, and then he he was going to go for another one, but Juice countered it into the small package, so he okay. didn't actually go for the pin after the GTR. Okay. But he, yeah, um, but he did hit one, you're right. He, he then he, yeah, he hit one and he covered, but then eventually he hits one. And now the interesting thing with this, and we're talking about where Juice goes, we were talked about it a little earlier, this is when, after the match, this is when Elgin comes out. Yes. And challenges Goto. Right, so, which... Which is smart. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. But it wasn't the only person that came out, because then Tai Chi came out basically saying yeah. he wanted it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to create... I forgot uh, all about Tai Chi. I didn't mean to. and <laughs> Which is surprising, because I like Tai Chi. Yeah. I don't know why I like Tai Chi so much, but I like Tai Chi. <laughs> but yeah, overall, yeah. it was a good card. And, and, and the three Road 2 shows, I thought all three of the title you're, matches delivered. You're missing a match. Yeah. The Kushida oh, Tanahashi. I'm sorry. I'm Osprey sorry. You know what? I got so confused. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. I don't no, know no. how I missed that. But, yeah, you um, had Kushida and Tanahashi versus Will we Osprey there, in Kazuchika Okada. Real quick, before we get there, I yeah. do want to add one quick note about the, the Juice Goto match is that I really did enjoy the, the, the near falls, the way that they played out. I loved that, like, um, you know, the Ushiguroshi, like, there were times when. Um, you know, Goto was clearly looking for it, and and Juice was able to escape. I, I know that uh, Goto did hit one. Juice was able to hit one of his own, like the the plane of the GTR, the teasing of the pulp friction. Like there was clearly, to me, the thing that was really kind of remarkable about this match is that they were so evenly matched all the way through until the finish that it almost leads you to think that Juice, like. I would argue that Juice almost deserves a shot at the Never Belt sooner than, as much as the match was better overall, than Finley might deserve another shot at White. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I could see there being another contender in there between Finley and White, maybe going at it again. Whereas with this match, it's interesting because you know Jay White, like or Jay White, Michael Elgin comes out right away, and Tai Chi comes out right away. So it's like they're going to move away from Juice. But I would almost argue that I would want to see a rematch between these two before I would want to see the rematch between Finley and White. See, I'm on the other side. I'd rather see the the rematch between Finley and White. Well, and just because I... It, I it's, in it's so much as that was a better know. match, in so much as that was a better match, yes, but in so much as but I'm I more think af- Juice could win the title... Like, I agree, you know but I'm mean? more afraid. Like, I'm afraid that if they don't go back to it, I'm afraid of Finley sliding right back to where he was. Because Look, if you I, put other people in the title matches, I'm, I'm afraid he gets lost in the shuffle. You know, Because there's only so many spots to go around... I don't think and there's any danger of that. I just don't think there's any danger of that because I think that they've positioned Finley in such a way that Finley's a legitimate threat now and, and, and that that's, that match is going to happen. But if I'm Ghetto, I want to keep them apart for a little while. Whereas no, that's with, fine. with this match, I'm talking about, like, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the rematch between Juice and Goto at Dominion. We're not going to get that probably, but I wouldn't mind seeing it there. Whereas with White and Finley, like, I want, I want to save that match for, like, King of Pro Wrestling or maybe even Wrestle Kingdom. That's what I'm saying. I, got, I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, 
I think you're going to get to a point not in the not too distant future where you're going to see Jay White defending the belt against Juice. Totally. Because if you remember too, during the New Japan Cup, or right before, I'm sorry, before the New Japan Cup, Juice was was talking about White yeah. and saying how good that title would look around his waist and all that. So I, I think they're going to go to that, and I think it makes sense in the long term, especially with the U.S. expansion. To have guys like Finley and Juice, and like you know, besides the fact that they're English speakers, right. it, it makes sense. Finley, though, the thing with Finley is like a lot of North American wrestling fans are going to know the name. Right, there's already a connection there, and I love the fact that, and we're talking about the night before that they played up on that in the storyline that his father, yeah. who his father was, something. But I digress. We're back onto this. So where are we at now? The the, the traditional, match, the actual main event, the Kushida. The, the, the way how, how I forgot match. about. A match with these four guys is beyond me. You know what? I didn't have the page all the way down, and I'm looking like it just... But, yeah, we had a 60-minute time limit match between the team of Kushida and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Took on Will Ospreay and Kazuchika Okada. So you had Taguchi Japan versus Chaos here. It went 18 minutes, 51, or 15 seconds, and it ended with Hiroshi Tanahashi hitting a high-fly flow onto Will Ospreay. Yes. Which you figure it either had to be Hiroshi pinning Ospreay or Okada pinning Kushida. It was right. the only way you were going to get out of that with the, with the pin. Yeah, and there was just some great storytelling and build to the two title matches, and I, I was, I was, I really enjoyed this match. It was, you know, I don't think that it's not one of those matches that I'm going to be. Like, you need to see this match necessarily, but I think it, you know, if you've been following along with all the other interactions between these four guys, that this is definitely another chapter to the book. And I would say, yeah, there's to, you know, there's far worse things you can do with 18 minutes and 15 seconds no than shit. to watch four of the best workers <laughs> in the world go at it. Yeah, right. Um, but there's some great stuff between Osprey and Kushida. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed a lot of their interactions. There was a really cool moment, actually, where uh, Kushida, um, you know, I think got, like, head scissored out of the ring, and Osprey did the whole, you know, uh, um, feint where, he, you know, he lands in the middle of the ring. And Okada, like, or Okada, Kushida, like, ran, like, eight rows back into the crowd, was standing there, like, called for, like, a timeout, like, was sort of motioning, like, get back, get back, I'm going to come back to the ring. And it was just an interesting bit because in in my mind, it almost played Osprey as the babyface and Kushida as the heel. And I don't think the traditional heel babyface structure fits the, their, their rivalry at all, but I did think it was just kind of an interesting piece of storytelling and I enjoyed it. Um, and, and then obviously there was some great Okada-Tanahashi interactions and there was the tease to Okada hitting the tombstone on the entry ramp, uh, but Tanahashi was able to power out of it. And then, and, and you know, and, and Tanahashi kind of got a little measure, you know, of revenge, if you will, um, on uh, um, on Okada by by sort of um, God, what did he do? Now I can't even remember exactly what it was that he did. Um, you're asking oh, me to remember Tanahashi hit the sling blade. I was going to say you're asking me to remember. I couldn't remember <laughs> the match happened two minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there was a sling blade that Tanahashi hit. Uh, that that was yeah. sort of a wonderful way of, of, of being like, hey, I, you know, don't forget about me. Um, and so yeah, again, there was... it just did a really good job of building up the what we the, the matches for wrestling Tantaku. You know, yeah. and and I know it's not the last event before, but it was the last Road Two show, so it was a good way because you're basically the your two main events of the second night. You're, you're right. you know, so you're building up to that. Yeah. Now, this being said, I also said it's not the last event because we're recording this on Sunday the 29th. So early this morning, we had a show that emanated from, I don't know how to say it, 
how do you say this? Oh, 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 Kumamato. Oh, it's in front of me, but I, but I, but I, I, I gotta get the right. I think it's here. from oh, Kuma, uh, yeah, Kumamoto. 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 Which yeah. is, which is, you know, which is interesting because they actually aired a. Um, oh God, I'm gonna get this wrong now. But they aired a um, package before the show started um, because there was. Um, uh, hell. Um, I don't. I don't remember the package. So there was a um, earthquake, I believe. Oh, okay. I didn't uh, see the, the intro. Yeah, there was an earthquake two years ago. It was. It was. A, it registered a seven um, on the Japanese seismic intensity scale. Nine people died in the first quake. Forty-one people died shortly after that. So it was, it was a, you know, it was a big deal. And there was this really nice video package that aired beforehand. And I was even remarking to to my wife, because she was down here with watching with me, that it would be, you know, if ever a time I wanted to have some subtitles, it'd be really cool to have it there because it clearly meant a lot to a lot of the wrestlers to be performing in Kumamoto and being able to kind of pay their respects to the fact that, you know, Hey, two years ago, something horrible happened here. And it was almost, if I'm not mistaken, it was almost two years to the day um, that it happened because it was April 15th, 2016. So nearly two Two years to the day, they're back there, they're wrestling, they're performing there. And I know a couple of the wrestlers, like Tanahashi and Naito, even spoke specifically about how it was important to them to perform in Kumamoto and be able to say, like, we are here, we are doing this, and 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 we, you know, we pay our respects to you, to your city, and we're so glad that your city is, is you know, pulling itself back up. Um, you know, there's a castle in Kumamoto that uh, has suffered significant damage that they have recently, you know, finished a lot of the rebuilding and, and reinstallation of some of the... the um, uh, architecture and that sort of thing. So I, I just thought it was really cool that they did that, that they kind of yeah. helped to mark that anniversary of that of that tragedy, and uh, and just thought it was kind of a cool a cool yeah. way to open the show. Well, here's the thing too. You had said if there was ever a time you wish there was an English commentary team. You know what? I forgot all about this. Um, we did oh, see on yeah. Twitter that one of the reasons the, the reason that there hasn't been English commentary on all these shows in the lead up is because Kevin Kelly's wife had surgery. We should now, have mentioned that in our news and notes. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot all about it. I don't know what the surgery was. That's a private issue. But um, he's, according to his Twitter, he will be back for the shows on the 3rd and the 4th. But, right. uh, you know, we just want to wish her a speedy recovery, whatever that was. Absolutely. Um, you know, we did that and, on Twitter, but but it bears repeating again. You know, yeah, and and I we love Kevin the job Kevin Kelly does. We'd Hell like yeah. to get him back as fast as we can, but not at the expense of his family. So you know. That's for anybody that was wondering why, and it was an interesting thing he put on Twitter um, that New Japan had given him the choice what he wanted to do here. Yeah. Sometimes they schedule an English commentary team, sometimes they don't. And uh, but this one, they left it up to him with his wife's surgery, and he did come across. It's hard to, to read context, like uh, tone. It did seem like he was kind of appreciative, but um, they they gave him off the time, and that's why there's been no English commentary team. And how cool is it, not only that, though, because here's the second part of that story, is that while there had been no English commentary team sort of live like there is on others, that he recorded remotely English commentary for the 23rd, the 24th, and I believe the 27th is on its way. So it's like, you can if you go on to New Japan World right now, there's English commentary for the 23rd and the 24th show, and there will be English commentary up for the 27th. I yeah. imagine he'll do it remotely for the 29th as well. So in essence, you're going to end up getting English commentary for the you know for the four big 
title matches that we've had so far, which is really great. And it's like, how cool is that? That here he is, mm. you know, dealing with this personal situation and is still like doing the work. Um, yeah. And it's just like, I, I have so much respect for him. And he's and so I good at what he does. He really he is. He really is. Um, you know what? It's not to get off topic a little bit, but I'm just surprised in a way. You would think, like, they have their announced team of Kevin Kelly and our buddy Don Callis. And I say <laughs> our buddy, like, we don't know him, but I'm just no, right, right, um, right. I'm kind of surprised, though, in a way that New Japan doesn't have a secondary English team to do some of the smaller events. Like, I mean, you know, it wouldn't shock me. Like, you have any wrestling company always had their main re- announcers and their, like, B team. Like, if you had, even if they're people we don't really know that could speak English, I'm just surprised they don't have them for these Road 2 shows or something like that. And then use Kevin Kelly and Don Callis for the bigger shows. Surprising. Because they want to expand into in, into America, or North America, I should say, more. And yeah. they, they offer the service, which is great. But, I mean, how hard would it be to have two backup guys doing commentary? I'm sure... Right. I'm sure you and realistically, you could have taken two of the English speaking wrestlers and had them do it as a special, you know, nobody said it has to be the greatest thing in the world. But right. Well, no, I think I I do think that that will be we will see that. I mean, you got to Like, again, in the same way, I think that like ghetto like long plays the long game with a lot of his booking. I think that New Japan is also, um, you know, they've been playing the long game as far as their international expansion goes. And, and, and you know, you look at the, the sort of the leaps and bounds they've made in the past four years. And, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, so I, I would think that They've that done is it slow coming. to make sure they have the right foundation. Right. You know. Right. But um, here's a question for you. Do you have any idea what Hino Kuni means? And the only reason I ask this is it's eerily similar to a video game that I played called Nino Kuni. So obviously it means something. Uh, you know, I honestly don't. Um, I wish I did, and I'm going to Google it right now and just see if anything comes up, but I don't know what it means. Um, well, while you do that, let me start with the results a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Because this is almost like a Road 2 show in a way. We don't need to go over every like no. in detail to everything. No, the first not. match is uh, a tag match. It's Ren Narita and Yuji Nagata versus Shoto Umino and Oka, so we know... Nagata's going to tap somebody out. In this case, it was 9 minutes, 41 seconds. He put the Nagata lock two on Umino. Um, the second which, match... again, helps to play into that story between yeah. the two of them, which I love. So, yeah. yeah. The second match, you have Taguchi, Tiger Mask, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Finley versus Sho, Yo, Rocky, and Jay White. So, basically, you have a chaos team taking on a hybrid team here. Um, it, the match went seven minutes and 18 seconds, which is kind of short for an eight man tag match, but it ended with the prima nocta. David uh, Finley hit the prima nocta on Rocky. So this, you know, like you said, he lost a match, but then they booked him to look good the next, like right after, which is good. Yeah, right, right. Um, I don't think there's much more to say. The third match was Hanare and Togi Makabe took on Ishii and Yano and Ishii hit the vertical brain buster on Hanare at seven minutes, 56 seconds. This match was basically exactly what you thought it would be. Yeah. Um, the fourth match was the fourth match was a little interesting. You had the Suzuki Goon team of Taka Taichi Taka. I'm sorry, Taka Taichi Azuka and Zach, who was back, which was nice. That's always yeah, nice. Totally took on a Bullet Club team. I don't know if we call this Bullet Club and the Golden Lovers at this point, or is Kota right. almost? A, I don't know if he's almost like a de facto member at this point, but it's Chase Owens, Yujiro, Kota Bushi, and Kenny Omega went eight minutes, 51 seconds. And it tapped out. Now they say on here, the octopus hold, but it's orientating with napalm death. Right. 
I don't know what why they're calling it. I mean, I know it is an octopus hole, but Zach calls it orientating with napalm death, and I think that's the, f- the coolest name for a submission move ever. <laughs> now he did it on Chase, but I, the only thing I want to do is take away from this is Chase actually looked good in this match. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like Chase. I think Chase is an undervalued member. He's one of those guys that can put with anybody. They can put in any situation, and he always seems to hold his own. You know, he's not like, going to be your world champion or anything like that. But he does a very nice job of what he's asked to do. Yeah. And you know, this is just to build up some heat because you have some of these Bullet Club matches that's coming up on the Wrestling Tentacle card. Right. You have a Bullet Club Civil War. You have a Bullet Club versus Bullet Club for the six man title. So that's all this was. But the, uh, it was quick. nice to not have the Suzuki Gun team get goddamn disqualified, right? You know, and but whatever you want to chime in here. About uh, so it, I just wanted to throw in. I just wanted to throw in actually. Uh, Hinokuni is that uh, apparently it uh, translates to Land of Fire, uh, and and it, and it has to do with the Kumamoto uh, Prefecture, um, okay, and, and just like the history of, of that particular. Um, prefecture, so that's that's See? where it gets. And See, it sounds cool. not only so. not only do you get to discuss wrestling, you learn things on this podcast. <laughs> you know, so yes. there you have it. We know all yeah. about the, the Kumamoto. We know about the earthquake. We know so, a Japanese phrase now. See, just keep we, we, it just keeps getting better. Expanding, here. expanding our knowledge. That's right. And and let's all thank Sam for looking that up because apparently yeah. typing three words in Google was too difficult for me to do today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I took it took just a little a little extra uh, work there. It wasn't as easy as just being like Google. What the hell does this mean? Well, if, if it's uh, not easy, I'm not interested. <laughs> okay, the fifth match we have Kushida, Elgin, Juice, and Tanahashi took on the Chaos team of Osprey, Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, and Kazuchika Okada. Match went thir- ten minutes thirteen seconds, and Tanahashi hit a, f- a high five flow on Yoshihashi. Which, when you get to these multi man tag matches a lot, Yoshihashi's there to eat the pin. You know, oh, yeah. unfortunately, right, right, and, right. And, and I'm not going to go into a thing. We've talked about Yoshihashi before. He's solid. He, he always, you see him on the card, you roll your eyes, but he's better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but it, it is what it is. It just keeps heat on the Tanahashi Okada stuff. Juice, Juice and Hiroki had had their match, but, you know, it kept them. And Elgin oh. now is in the mix and he had challenged Goto. So, plus yeah. you still have Osprey and Kushida coming up. Yeah, absolutely. But the cool thing was too is the post match where Okada just went ape shit. Yes, and like, that was. I yeah. mean, just... and, and to explain this, it, it, when Tanahashi hit the high five floor, the match ends. The Chaos team leads. I don't know where Kush- Kushida was like kind of hurt on the outside, correct? Yep. And you had Elgin and Juice hanging out. Hiroshi Tanahashi celebrated a little bit. Now he gets out of the ring. He's outside on the side. They show on the camera Okada going halfway to the back. And for some reason, just snaps. Yeah. He runs back, but he runs around the ring right past Juice and Elgin, like shoves them out of his way. And right. goes right after Tanahashi. Yeah. So they're fighting. Juice and, and Elgin come over. They're trying to break it up. Referees are breaking it up. They finally get them separated. Yeah. Then Tanahashi comes flying back and attacks uh, Okada. Yeah. So this is going back and forth. Now Okada gets into the ring and he's calling Tanahashi into the ring. Yeah. So of course Tanahashi is going to come. Okada went to pick him up for a tombstone, like how they grab him and swing him from the side, right, but he couldn't right. get him all the way because Tanahashi was fighting it. Then it looked like Tanahashi was going to get him yep. up on the same thing. Then they got them separated, and that was it. But it just showed the, the total dickish behavior of Okada. Yeah. And I and, love dickish Okada. 
And the post-match, I mean, yeah, the post-match was just so good. Helped tell a really great story. So, I mean, what more can you... It just gave that little little bit more extra heat that they had been building up, but it just gives you that finishing touch. Yeah. But that that definitely, the match was good, but the highlight of the whole thing is the after show. The post-match, yeah. 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 Now you get two matches in a row that are just coming off the heels of their tag match. Um, You have Bushi versus El Desperado, and then you have Hiromu Takahashi versus Kanemaru. Which also, um, how cool is it that this is almost kind of a nice, like, best of the Super Juniors preview, mm-hmm. too, because you're getting two singles junior matches right in a row as well. Which is rare. Really smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know what's rare. If it's not a titles match and it's a singles match, it's even billed as a special singles right. match. And, I mean, they both went, give or take 10 minutes. One went 9.58, the other one went 11.28. But you had um, LIJ win both matches. Um, Bushi actually won by disqualification. Yeah, and then Hiromu, yeah, but I mean, it is what it is because it wasn't like. Then you had Hiromu actually hit the um, Kanemaru with the time bomb for a pin. Yeah, but it now, just it's the, nice. Go ahead. Well, here's one thing that I do want to say, and, and 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 this is something that has definitely been said before. You've heard other people talk about it. You know, the New Japan Pro Cast used to talk about it. Uh, you know, there's other podcasts out there that that have mentioned it. That you know, it's mentioned on Reddit, Twitter, etc. The Suzuki Goon stuff has become so commonplace that it doesn't mean anything anymore, really. Yeah. And one of the things that I think would help that is if it felt like there were any kind of consequences, because there's never any consequences. Well, no, at one point they were exiled for doing that shit, which made sense, and then they brought them back, but they do the same behavior and nothing's done. Exactly, and so it's the like only Suzuki thing that beats the shit out of a bunch of young boys, and it's like nothing. Yeah. You know, he beats the shit the out of a ref. Nothing happens. Yeah, the only thing that that I will say about that is the only way, it, it, like you said, it it doesn't do anything except when they have a match or a big time match, and they don't do it. It's That's true. more shocking that they don't do it. Like, That's very you, true. So, I mean, and I'm not even talking about, like, if Kanemaru does the whiskey mist, because that's just no. part of it, who he is. But, like, when they have the tag matches and nobody else gets out, comes out and gets involved, it makes, you're like, yeah, wow, no no suzuki Goom shenanigans. That so is, that's a, yeah, that's but, a good point. That's a good point. That's the only thing I can make of that. Yeah. But I was glad to see Takahashi get the win against Kanemaru. I thought it was a really yeah. nice uh, finishing stretch there. He hit the dynamite plunger, the Blu-ray, the time bomb. Like, it was, you know, he, he came out looking really good, really yeah. strong. Oh, I, you yeah. know, I think we'll see stuff continue. You, you know what I wanted to say, too? And it's totally unrelated, but I just thought of it. Um, <laughs> not that I'm trying to build up somebody's Twitter, but I'm looking at Hiromu. Did you see earlier in the week the tweet that Cody put out? Somebody put out an LIJ picture and said something about, like, the New Japan's best faction or something. Yeah. And and Cody's response was great. He's like, I, something about, like, he'd pay him 100 bucks if you could even name one member. Yeah. And their, their mascot's a cat or something that they don't even own the, the rights to or something. Yeah, yeah. It was just I hilarious. I see that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not that I want to, like, go up, but I just, I found that humorous. Right, So I right. wanted to throw it out. All right. Now that that's out of the way, I've been waiting all day to tag talk about Cody Tag team title Twitter. match, man. Tag team title match. 60-minute time limit, which we didn't come anywhere near. But <sighs> you have the 79th championship team. And I love when you look up the results on New Japan that they tell you that. Yeah. Like they build it out. I just think that's such a nice touch. But it the 79th, Yeah. I love when they have like the IW, an IWGP heavyweight championship match and they show the video of the champions. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's just such a nice touch. But... Um, I don't want WWE to ever do that because then I'm always reminded that Jinder Mahal held the belt. Oh. But anyway, Sonata and Evil. Would defending they have to put t- David Arquette up there too? 
Well, if they did the World's Heavyweight Championship, they would. Yeah, but that's anyway. less less infuriating to me than Jinder at this point. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Sonata and Evil defending yep. their belts against the Suzuki Goon team of KES, which is Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer. Oh, and you know, just before we talk about this match, um, another thing that was all over Twitter and everything, did you see the whole dynamic between Davey Boy Smith and Jake Roberts? Totally, yeah. Well, and Jake okay. dropped charges today. Yeah, so. I was gonna, that's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> Davey um, Boy Smith Jr. is no longer wanted in uh, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, he dropped all the charges. Uh, he publicly apologized. You know, there's no. he said the heat's gone, which is great. But speaking yeah. of heat, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, I guess they got into an argument, and Davey Boy Smith drew a, uh, Jr. threw a coffee right into his face. A hot coffee, yeah. A hot because coffee. basically it stemmed from the fact that Jake apparently at some point had, had, had said, uh, it, referencing his 90s run specifically, because Jake has also said in other interviews how much he appreciated the work that the Bulldogs did in the early days. But when he was referencing Davey Boy Smith Jr.'s, or uh, Davey Boy Smith Sr.'s, uh, which is not really true, but anyway, David Boisman's uh, '90s work that he basically he was you know he was nothing, and that they you know they threw him in the tag team you know with Owen because it didn't matter cause what he did because he didn't mean anything to the company at the time. Yeah, and, and, and I and so I get Harry somebody Smith, you know I get somebody being defensive about their father, especially, uh, especially the father who's passed on. Listen, I I mean not not the, it's apples to oranges, but I where I work, my father used to work, and he was the boss. And now my father's passed away, so if I hear somebody say something, it still gets me upset or gets me angry. Now yeah. I don't throw coffee in somebody's faces, but I can understand. Um, right. He was wrong, but I'm glad cooler heads prevailed. I'm glad Jake is dropping the charges. Because nobody wants to see anything like that. No, but I just no. wanted to throw that out because it, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention it. And I just, for some reason, I've mentioned Davy Boy Smith Jr. about five times a night and didn't think of it. But anyway, back to the match. Um, you had Sonata and Evil retain their belts when Evil hit evil at 17 minutes and 58 seconds all yes. in all i thought it was a pretty decent match it was i liked it, it yeah it wasn't earth shattering or anything but it was good no. it, it was exactly what you would expect and there were some really um, cool spots in the match there was i think that the other thing that i loved about the dynamic of the match overall is that evil and sonata uh you know they took a beating i i, I mean sonata that fucking table spot the uh yeah. the, the killer bomb from the apron through the table was wicked and again similar to the the, the junior match where bushi got kind of sidelined for a big portion of the match you know sonata was out of the match for a long time and evil looked like great in so much as he took a hell of a beating at archer yeah. and, and smith's hands but he kept getting the shoulder up when it counted he you know and, and then when when sonata helped to make the save with the drop the springboard drop kick and they were able to build to the comeback and get the finish like it just told a nice story and i felt like it yeah. still let it it, it, it made KS still look like the bruisers that they are. Oh, yeah. They and they're going to beat good. the hell out of you. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, they look good, but I thought the right team won. Yeah, um, I, I think Evo and Sonata should hold the belts for a while. I don't think KES needs them right away. And they're no. going to, as long as KES is around, they're always going to be in that picture. So right. they're going to have another title run at some point. But Somebody, I'm glad they kept them because Evo and Sonata's run, because Evil got hurt with the Zorbal socket, they didn't have a lot to do in the beginning of their run, their, you know, their reign. So I'm glad that they kept it. Yeah, me too, me too. And it's funny because uh, on, on not to plug another website, and I'm not honestly a huge fan of their website overall, but I do appreciate Larry Zonka on 4-1 Mania, uh, some of his, his uh, uh, you know, reviews that he does. Um, he actually brought up uh, an interesting point about Yano and Ishii um, perhaps being the next challengers and kind of saying, until we can get to the Young Bucks or the Golden Lovers. Um to me, while I agree that eventually in that title picture we're probably going to see the Young Bucks and potentially the Golden Lovers, 
you know, there's a part of me that's just sort of like, do I really want to see Yano and Ishii take on Evil and Sonata? Like, do I want that match? Especially, do I want that match for the tag team titles? Because yeah. I don't... Look, I'm sorry. I I appreciate what Yano does. Sometimes I laugh at what he does. Sometimes his spots work perfectly within the context of a certain match or a multi-man match. But I just don't know if I want to see his bullshit in a fucking IWGP heavyweight no, tag team match. It, it works for where they use him. But, you know, it's... I know what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it's. I'm not the world's biggest fan of Yano. Uh, he has his role, and he can be funny in small bits. But the problem for me is, I I hate the fact that they tag him with Ishii because I feel like Ishii could do more. Yeah. Like I feel at this point he holds him back. Like you said, even in the tag ma- match, they're not like you don't want to see them with the belt because that's almost you don't want to see the belt being defended by balls, ball shots, and hair pulling, and you know I don't know. It is what it is. Right, right. Well, and, and the other thing is, too, is I just can't help but think that, like, um, you know, with, with, with Ishii, eh, does, he, does he even need to be in that, in that picture? Do you know no, what I mean? No, I'd rather um, see him on a singles run. I think Ishii would be perfect for, to go up for, like, the, to throw into the mix for the U.S. title at some point, you know. Right, but we'll right. see where we you get know, to. I mean, and, and the thing is, too, is it's like he and Yano have been tag team champs before. And, and yeah. it's like, eh, whatever. Anyway, anyway, who knows? If it you was, wanted I, to put, to me, if you wanted to put Yano with the tag member from Chaos, I would like to see Yano and Chucky e. T together for a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to be, like, be like slapstick. They'd, they'd have more of a defined role. But anyway, let's get to the main event, shall yes. we? We have the 60-minute time limit for the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, the 17th champion, Minoru Suzuki. Did you say Minoru or Minoru? I say Minoru. I've heard it both. No, because no, yeah. But I have heard people say Minoru as well, yeah. Minoru Suzuki versus Tetsuo Naito. The match went 30 minutes, 22 seconds, and it ended with the Destino for the pin and a new Intercontinental Champion. How about that? Yeah, I'm not surprised as much, but I'm a little surprised that they did the title um, switch here at this show. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of surprised that if they were going to do a title switch, they didn't just have this match on Wrestling Dantaku, could have headlined the first, this first night. But right. they know what they're doing. Um, overall, it was a, it's a, what you expected. Suzuki comes across as a psychopath, and he yeah. does such a... Oh, there was the cat. Yeah, yeah, sorry. One of the kids. No, that's okay. Well, the, she, she's a co-host of the show. But, um... You're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Suzuki does such a good job with that leg hold that he has. I don't know what you would call it, like an ankle lock oh, or the a knee bar. Lock. He's got the that knee bar, bar that he yeah. does. So, and, and here's not, one of... The th- yeah. One thing that I do want to point out real quick that I thought was fascinating, and, and this is... I'm not critiquing it. This is not a knock, but it was so interesting to me that the knee, which had been such a huge target in all those multi-man tags, did not come into play until about halfway through the match... It's Suzuki was actually focused on the arm. And yeah. while I was watching the match, I have to admit, while I was watching the match, I was sort of like, why isn't he going for the knee? Well, now, I, now that I'm sitting here, it's like, of course, go for the arm. He can't do Destino. And yeah. he's already focused on that knee. He's, it's already softened up. So it was well, actually, in a way, it's like post-match, I'm thinking like, man, that was actually brilliant. He, they outsmarted you. Yeah, they totally they did. You. But you know what, though? <laughs> even, if it, even at the time, like you say, it was a move that didn't make sense, you could build that off because Suzuki does stuff that doesn't make sense all the time. Like, well, he could sure. do a move, and sometimes <laughs> he gets infatuated with trying to do the gotch pile driver. Right, like, and I right. love how Don Callis will mention it. Like, he's just obsessed. He'll have a sleeper hold that he could win, 
and he'll let go because he's obsessed with getting that move. But, I mean, it was a good match. It went 30 minutes, which was long, but it didn't seem like it was dragging. Um, no, and, and I think that one of the things, you know, the, the, some of those holds that Suzuki had uh, uh, Naito in were, were very drawn out. But Naito, like, his facials and the way that he sells, like, oh, yeah. so great. And the way that he was drawn sympathy from that crowd, and that crowd kept willing him to get back into the match. And it was, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I will never complain. And it's 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 like Suzuki is, is, is a master at being able to do this, because it's the same thing with the figure four that he had Okada in. Um, it, it's that idea that Suzuki, when he gets that hold on you, if it lasts for like 45 seconds or longer or whatever... The crowd did not die. Never once did did the crowd be like, "What the hell?" He's had him in this move forever. It was always there was always something going on, and it always seemed like a legitimate threat to possibly ending the match. Yeah, it was. You know, the only thing, uh, the only nitpicky thing I can think of, right? Yeah, and this is kind of tough. Is it seemed like the Destino spot to end the match just kind of happened. Yes, I agree. Like, like they were just kind of standing there, and they're like, "Okay," and he like grabbed him and did his thing like i like when it just kind of like you don't expect it and it happens kind of like an rko out of nowhere like i know it's not exactly the same but it seemed like it was like okay time to go home just have suzuki stand up and wait to take it. yeah you know it's it seems a little suzuki, odd but that's but i'm nitpicking too you know suzuki had the the busted nose and was bleeding a bit and 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 there was that moment where he pulled the young boy over to him and he was talking to him and it made me wonder and i don't I do not think this played into the finish at all. I think the match still went exactly how it was supposed to go. But I did wonder, which again could just be the wonderful exemplary work of, of Minoru Suzuki, is Suzuki, like, was he hurt a little bit? Was he busted up a little bit? Was well, it, when they, you know right I mean? before that, and for people who didn't see it, there's this really good part after he has him in the knee bar forever where Naito just decides he's going to slap the ever living shit out of him. Yeah. And I mean, he was, they had some stank on him because you could see the sweat bouncing off, right? Yeah. He hit him so hard with the slaps that he was bleeding out of his nose. Yeah. So you don't know, like, you know, I, that that was the only thing, wasn't even that they had the Destino, it just that that move right there, the way they did it kind of lacked some oomph, you know what I mean? Well, and that's, again, that's kind of going into what I was saying, too, about how well they've, they've protected that move yeah. and how it has it has always led to a finish. Like, there's not, like, we've not seen anybody kick out of it recently. No, we've but it's more any, like... You know, I don't even mind, like, the, the, that whole dynamic. It just would have worked better, say, like, if Suzuki went for a move and it got reversed into a Destino. You'd be like, wow, that was cool. Right, instead it just kind of, it just happened. Oh, I agree. I totally Yeah, but other than that, I, and if we're getting to the point where, I mean, like, I don't mean to nitpick it that much. It's just one of those things. But yeah. overall, and then he gave, um, he gave a nice, well, I say nice, like, he gave a, a pretty lengthy talk on the mic after the batch. I have no idea what he said. No. Um, no, once they put up the subtitle, I'm sure he was ragging up on Suzuki not having his belt. Like at one point, too, Red Shoes gave him the belt. He just kind of threw, threw it off it to down. the side. Yeah, like he doesn't. But give it a was shit. it was interesting though because in a contrast to the way he was when he had it, you know, before Tanahashi took it back from him, it was interesting because even though he tossed it down, it, when he picked it back up, it was subtle, but it didn't feel like he wasn't. It wasn't like he was picking up a piece of garbage. Yeah, he didn't fire it. Over his he just kind of like it was. It wasn't almost. It wasn't even like disrespectful. It was just like I don't care about it right now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like I won. I won his treasure. I'm throwing it down. I don't care about this title. But at the same time, I feel like he has respect for the title. If that makes sense. 
Because he's like, not going to be, he's not as heelish with the belt as he was when he came back. Right, right, exactly. And, and that's exactly. not that they change his character, but the fans like him, like they're behind him, so he's not going to be as outrageous. Now, we say that, he might come out the next show and just fire it somewhere, but nothing right. surprises me with him. No. But all in all, for a show I didn't really expect much out of, it was it was a pretty good show, and I didn't expect a title change at it, and we got one. So yeah. all in all, I was excited. It was a nice little surprise on my Sunday. Well, I got to be honest with you. Had I had I expected a title change from this match, I almost would have expected the tag titles over the, the Intercontinental. It, yeah, but, I, but I do. But I do think that it makes a lot of sense for Naito to win here because I think that had Naito lost this match, especially after losing the match to Zack Saber Jr. Yeah, you said it would have had to be almost like a little bit of a reboot. Like, what do you do next with them? Because right. he's, uh, you know. My my only fear, and I'm a huge fan of Naito. In fact, I think Naito's my favorite wrestler in New Japan, or yeah. at least one of them. Um, and it's not the world's worst place to be, but I feel like Naito is now going to be slotted into Nakamura's role. Like he's mm. going to be the IC that like the gatekeeper for the IC belt. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that ruling out that he can win the IWGP championship again at some point or everything. I just have this feeling that this is the role they're going to put him in, at least for the foreseeable future. Right. Right. Well, you and know, that's not the world's worst place to be. No. But, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But you know what I mean? Like, and for people that maybe you're new to, to our podcast or new to New Japan, and a lot of this is even before I was watching, Nakamura was, like, I still think to this day he's the youngest IWGP champion, correct? I believe that is correct. I, I don't yeah. think anybody's beat it. He won the belt real early, probably earlier than he probably should have, but then he had a couple runs. But then what happened is he, they had created the IC belt, and it really, if you look at the beginning of it, it wasn't good. Um, I'm pretty sure the first what the, the first title holder was MVP, and he won it like yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah, he so, won in New Jersey. Yeah. So what they did was they used Nakamura to bring prestige to the IC belt, which he did in spades. I mean, he like when we talked about it earlier. He at one point the IC belt was on par with the world heavy with the world heavyweight championship. And so and, much so, so much so that it actually got voted to headline the Tokyo Dome over the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, if and if you're interested in that, um, you know what I mean. If you're new to New Japan too, there's a great video on YouTube. You just search YouTube and put the fall and rise of Tetsuya Naito, and it covers that whole how that title won up main event in the Wrestle Kingdom and everything. And if yeah. you're a Naito fan, it gives great context to where he is now. And but we should just say a- honestly too, if you're new to New Japan, and I feel like we've mentioned it before, but I, I think it bears repeating. If you're new to New Japan. You absolutely owe yourself to go out and buy Lion's Pride by Chris Charlton, which is the definitive book about New Japan, especially for you know for North America for English speaking fans. There, there is no other book yeah, out there. You I know, love that, it. And, that and is you know the what? book, and it's well written. It's well you know well put together. I love the way that the chapters, the chrono- you know the chronology of the story is, is sort of broken up by chapters that spotlight specific elements of. Yeah, New it Japan. tells you the story, but then you'll have a whole chapter where it'll just be. There's like one chapter where it talks about um, Okada or Okada. I'm sorry. Um, oh God, why Onoki? His 18 club, like he oh, the 18 yeah. wrestlers. And, but it gives a lot of context and everything. It's so well done. And if you own a Kindle, it's on the the, the store. It's only like four dollars and ninety nine cents. And if yeah. you have like an Amazon Prime account, it's free. Yeah. It's part of that Amazon Unlimited thing. And even for five bucks, I mean, you can't go wrong. I, I'm not saying don't buy it, but. Um, I know like the bookstore I had didn't have it in stock. 
So, and to order it on Amazon, like for the paperback, I think it was like 35 bucks. But if you, if you're on the fence about it for $5 or even free for Amazon prime, it's well worth it. Yeah, totally. Like that's my goal at some point. Now we had the interview with Pat LaProd. My goal in life at some point is to get an interview with Chris Charlton. I would love to do that. And you know, he just, he's got a new book that's going to be coming uh, on the Tokyo Dome. And it's basically yeah. about every wrestling show that's ever been held at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, and, and, and if they you're just, new to New Japan, they their the, Indiegogo the, on it. And, you know. Yeah, if you're new to New Japan, too, this uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12 just happened. That's not the 12th show from the Tokyo Dome. No. They, they ran January 4th shows at the Tokyo Dome for a long time. They just had different like names. 27 and, and, years yeah, or so. And they, yeah. they went for a stretch where it wasn't a once a year thing. They had other nights of the year where they'd have matches at, or shows at the Dome. Right. But it's just, they, they actually changed the name, I think, for, due to a video game. Yeah, it was due to the Wrestle video Kingdom. game. Yep. So they right. just kept it. And now you won't see it changed because it, it, a branding. They've, with the expansion, people know what Wrestle Kingdom means. It's yeah. on par. Like it's they like know that's the Yeah. Know. Yeah. But um, anyway, so those are all the road to shows and yes. the everything. So now, and this won't take as long. We're going to preview real quick the two nights of wrestling Don Taco. And I think I think we only really need to preview the big matches, right? I don't think. Well, we, need we to can go. We'll just we'll just go through the card. We'll preview the big ones, but we're going to give predictions on who we think are going to win. All right. Even the small matches, because it's only okay. going to take a mi- like thirty seconds a match till we get to the big ones. And Let's even the big do. ones, it's not a lot we have to talk about for a match that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But the first Let's match, blaze through it. The first match of a tag. This is now the the Thursday May third show, which is at Fukuoka Convention Hall. Okay, you have Suji and Umino versus Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi. I have a funny feeling we're both going to have the same prediction here that one of the young lions has taken a pinfall. Totally. So we're gonna have the Bullet I, I, Club go over there. This is a match. Suji that, Suji takes the pinfall from Chase he's no, Owens. I agree. <laughs> I, I say Suji takes a package pile driver. All right. All right. Okay. Our second match we have Ren Narita, Tomoyuki Oka, and Yuji Nagata versus Taguchi Tiger Mask and Jushin Thunder Liger. I'm gonna say Narita falls to Taguchi. I say I say Narita falls to Liger. Just to All be right. different. Sure. Okay, but we both agree. And and we're, we're just giving predictions. Some of the bigger matches we'll talk a little bit about, but there's nothing to really preview with some of these. No. The third match, believe it or not, we got Cho, Yo, and Rocky again together, which I like when it's just... Yeah, I like when it's just the two of them and Rocky's the manager more. Me too. But they're taking on KES and oh, Azuka. Yeah. DQ? Um... No, I'm not going to say D- D- DQ. I'm going to say that they're going to hit the Magic Killer on Rocky. Yeah, you know, that's actually, I think that is a good call, especially because it, it gives it gives KAS a win after taking the fall. In, in the yeah, and I match. don't think it hurts Rocky at all. No. You know no. what I mean? But I don't think you're going to have basically a junior team go over a heavyweight team in this situation. So yeah. that's I, I don't know which one will actually pin them, but they'll do Magic Killer onto Rocky. That's my call. All right. All right, the fourth match on the th- on the first night, you have a 10-man tag. You have Hanari, Elgin, Makabe, Finley, and Juice go up against the Chaos team of Yoshihashi, Yano, Ishii, Jay White, and Goto. Yeah. I'm going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to say that they win Elgin, power bom- or Elgin Bombs Goto. Ooh, okay, yeah, 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 I can see that. I'm going to do totally that because I think it brings, it puts him more in line with this challenge. Yep. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, but I will this is a match that could, that it could go anywhere. If the other team wins, if the Chaos team wins, it's going to be Hanare eating the pin, I say. Yeah. 
But right. that's what I'm going to call. I'm going to say Elgin, Elgin Bomb to Goto. Fifth okay. match is a 16-limit time limit for the never-open six-man tag. Now, this is an interesting match because you have Bullet yeah, Club really versus is. Bullet Club. You have the, the champions, which are the 16th championship team, of Tongaloa, Tomatonga. I'm sorry, Tongaloa, Tomatonga. I always call it Tongatama. And Bad <laughs> Luck Fale versus Marty Scroll and the Young Bucks. Yeah. And this is an interesting... Not only do you have the Bullet Club implosion continue, you also have... I, I could see this belt going either way, really. I think... I'm going to say it stays with the OGs. Okay. If it does, then I say DQ finish. And the reason why I say that is I don't want Skrull eating a pin from these guys, and I don't think Nick or Matt should at this point either. I could see Matt maybe if they work the back and it looks good, but I could see new champs. And you know what? I'm going to change my prediction. I'm going to change my prediction. I say Marty and the Bucks win, but I'm going to say it's going to be a count out on Fale. Ooh, all right, I like it. I like it. Because I think they'll do something and he won't be able to get back in the, the ring. I, I, you know what, maybe I'm just taking a, a stab in the dark here, but I, I could see where it would make sense to put the belts on those three. And if there's a belt that they're going to hot potato, it's the Never Six Man. Oh, yeah. So The title, the title goddamn, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't want to say anything bad, but the title basically doesn't mean anything. No, it's just basically almost like a faction belt, like yeah. our, this faction versus that faction. Okay. We get to the sixth match. We have all five members of LIJ. So you have Hiromu, Bushi, Sonata, Evil, and Naito taking on Desperado, Kanemaru, Taichi, Zack Sabre, and Minoru Suzuki. Yes. Um, this is just a match that's piggybacking on all the stuff that's been leading up to this between LIJ and Suzuki-Goon. Yep. This is one part of the big faction blow-off. They all had their, their own individual things, but um, I don't know. This match could go a lot of different ways. And I, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if it matters how it goes. I I say it does matter, and I say that I don't know who takes who eats it, but I think Zack Saber Jr. gets the win I, here. I'm gonna say Zach. I agree, but I'm gonna say Zach. He wins with orientating Napalm Death on Bushi. That's, see, okay, that's kind of where I was leaning was Bushi. But if they wanted to shock us, if they really wanted to shock, you should us, do it to Naito. Yep, <laughs> because then it just reinforces that he can beat Naito and Suzuki can't. Yeah. I could see that, but I'll still say Wabushi, but I could see either way. Right. Seventh your seventh match, you have Kushida and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Osprey and Kushida, or in Okada. Yep. I don't know how they do this, because these, these are both going to be in singles matches the next night for the belts. I think Okada goes over Kushida just to kind of it, it, to, to flip-flop well, the result it's of the be, last Yeah, match. because we know if it's, if it's an actual finish, not a DQ or a timeout, it's going to be that one of the two heavyweights going over a junior. Right. And I, I agree. Um, you know what? I almost want to say the other way, though. Okay. I almost want to say that Osprey gets pinned to make him look a little bit more vulnerable before Kushida wrestles him. Sure. That's, that's okay. a really good point. Oh, can we just can we just take a quick moment because we didn't talk about it enough? The way that Kushida targeted Osprey's neck in yes. that, that last tag match. Oh, there's something else I want to mention from that match, too. I forgot. Will Osprey whipped out. Did you see Stormbreaker? That yeah. new move? Yeah. It's pretty neat. Um, he Obviously, if you don't know what Stormbreaker is, I'm about to spoil something. It's from it's a, it's a weapon from the Avengers movie, the new Avengers yeah. movie. Yeah. But um, he picks him up and puts him on his shoulder, almost like when Big E does the big ending. He right. has him in the same position, but he does a flip to the side, but he does it so fast. I don't even know how many flips he makes, but it just it's wickedly fast and looks great. Yeah. It's not going to be his finish or anything, but it's another cool move in his arsenal. Right. And OK, so 
All right, where are we at now? Okay, we have the semi main. Yeah, um, man, see these matches get confusing because you could see them going either way or how they want to do it. Um, I'm trying to figure out how this plays into the bigger dynamic. Yeah, Um, I I can say Coda goes over Cody. Okay, I'm gonna say Cody goes over Coda, but he but he cheats. And that it brings out Omega, which immediately brings out Paige, which immediately leads us into the main event, and then Omega beats Paige. Yeah, I agree there. I don't see Kenny losing the main event, but who yeah. knows? Yeah. So that's that's that night. Let's go on to the second night, which is the bigger of the two nights. Not that that's yeah. not a big night, but it's the bigger. Oh, you have clearly. a 20 minute. First match is Taguchi, Tiger Mask, and Jushin Thunder Liger versus the team of the Young Lions of Umora. I can't say that. Ren Narita and Shota Umino, I think we all know what team is winning. Right. Um, just Tiger Mask know. over Narita. <laughs> okay, that works for me. I'll say Taguchi over Umora because I can't say the guy's name. Sure thing. Okay, second match. My favorite young lion, Tomoyuki Oka and Yuji Nagata take on Chase and Yujiro Takahashi. Yeah. Which is an interesting little match for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I think again. I think they continue to kind of build Chase a bit. So I, I would agree. Say Chase Chase takes out Oka. I agree. Third match. Why? Oh my God, why? I don't know. And you know what? The, the the one thing this is getting me to do is starting to dislike Show and Yo. Yeah. Because it's just brutal. Show Yo and Rocky versus Taka Taichi and Azuka. I'm gonna say they hit 3K on Taichi or on Taka. Okay, yeah, I could see that, totally. Because the night before, I think they take out Rocky, but I think they get a little bit of... Re- and then, hopefully, this is it with this shit. I really? Would be, I would love that, yeah. All right. Uh, your fourth match, Maccabee and Hanare versus Yano and Ishii. I do like the teaming of Hanare and Maccabee, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't they tag together in the World Tag League? Yeah, yeah, That's how sure. Hanare came back. Um, I like them together, but... I'm thinking that Hanari eats a, the brain buster. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that. Okay. Oh, I, mean, I could see Makabe getting, you know, the King Kong knee drop on Yano again. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, you can go either way. I'm going to say right. the Ishii takes out Hanari with the brain buster. I, I agree. I agree. Okay. Now we're on to the fifth match. We have a six-man tag of Elgin, Finley, and Juice versus Goto, Jay White, and Yoshihashi. Yep. Um, I'm going to say... Ooh, this could go... Uh, I'm going to say we're going to see a Prima Nocta on Yoshihashi. I think, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I'm going to go I'm going to go big on this one. I think playing into what you were talking about earlier and just to really throw a fucking wrench in the whole thing, I think Juice pins Jay White with the pulp friction. Well, that that would be awesome. And you know what? You probably you might be right. I don't know why I didn't think of it when I was talking about it earlier. But I'm going to stick with my prediction just because I made it, and I don't want to go back. I already changed once. But I can totally <laughs> see what you're saying happen. Yeah. Okay. Then we're on to, again, we got to go through another 10-man match of LIJ and suzuki Goon. Like, yeah. I like their feud, but this has gone on for so long now. Right. And, and I think part of it is, and I could be wrong, I think they had way too many row two shows. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that because I like watching it, but they, they like, you've had five televised or untelevised, plus the high no Cooney thing. Uh, well, show. I think it's I think it's proof. I think it's also proof that they they didn't sell out every show. You yeah. know, it's like if they had they had fewer shows, they probably would have had a better chance at selling out most, if not all, the shows. So, yeah, we saw so many of the matches, and again, that's not necessarily out of the ordinary. But the tour itself does feel 
longer. Like, they feel like well, there were more shows. maybe it's just shows. they televised more. I don't know. Yeah. And the problem with that isn't that it's too much wrestling. It's too much of the same wrestling. Right, right. I mean, how many times have we seen the five members of LIJ now take on the same five members of Suzuki going? Oh, yeah. No, I hear you, man. I'm with you all the way. But I, do I don't do? even... I'm trying to think here. Um, I say I Suzuki s- hits the gotch pile driver on Haramu. Bushi for the win. All right. You talked me into Poor a Bushi. Bushi. <laughs> Poor Bushi. All right. Now we have what's a very interesting match. You have a club a, Civil a, War. Yeah. You have one side, which is Tangaloa. Tamatonga, Bad Luck Valet, Kota Ibushi, and Kenny Omega, which is why I'm almost saying Kota, I, I almost count Kota as a member of the Bullet Club at this point. At least for this feud, he's definitely, I know he's not, but he might as well be. Yeah, Versus totally. Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, Marty Scroll, Hangman Page, and Cody. Yeah. Um, so, here's, so this is going to be a weird thing and a lot of ifs. If Kota beats Cody, then Cody beats Kota in this match. If not, if if Cody ends up beating Cody, then I say, man, I don't know because they're primed. We're we're getting primed within the overall Bullet Club storyline that Skrull and Cody are 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 at the breaking point. Yeah, um, and the Bucks clearly aren't on Team Cody either. So I, I don't know what the hell we're going to see here, honestly. I, I, I have a feeling this is going to be less of a match and more of an angle, quite frankly. Yes, but I don't know how this is going to play out. But I think somehow something's going to happen to make Cody sympathetic to the other ones. Okay. Because it's like they're they're teasing that they're like Matt and Nick, the, the finale, the final, like, so-called final episode of uh, being the elite, that they were on the, they should have been on Kenny's team. Marty's good. I think they something happens with the Bullet Club OGs that send them back towards Cody for a while because this has got to play itself out for a little while longer because it's got to go out to at least all in, correct? Like, I almost yeah. feel like this whole Bullet Club Civil War is playing to that in September, so I don't see Cody getting ostracized by the rest of the group quite yet. No, no. So I don't think it's going to matter, like you said, I don't think it's going to matter so much who wins this match, it's just how it plays out in the angle. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think, I the... think Coda does something to or Coda does something to Cody that makes some of them question Coda and feel bad for Cody. That's I don't know how we're going to get that's, to that, but that's... That would be interesting. Throws a little bit of shade on Abushi, and we get, we get continuation of the angle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now we get to the meat and potatoes. Yes, sir, we do. We, the two Os- big ones. The 80th junior champion, Will Osprey versus Kushida for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um, I'm going to say Osprey retains. Me too. Yeah, me too. I, I, I think that, you know, obviously Kushida is, is always going to be a, a good champion. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. He looks so good. I, I just think that in this particular instance, that it, it makes more sense. I think if if Osprey retains, yeah, yeah. All right, I agree. Now let's get to the because this will be the, a little bit of a discussion. You have Okada defending the belt against Tanahashi. Now, just so everybody understands the dynamic here, they're tied for the record with eleven title defenses. Um, Okada already has the record for the longest title reign, so. If Okada wins, he stands all by himself with 12 title defenses. But he, the, other, the only other record that he would have to chase down is total title reigns, which he has four, if I'm not mistaken, and Tanahashi has the record with seven. Yeah. 
Okay, but here's the problem. If Tanahashi wins, that would give him an eighth. It would be harder. It, but here's the thing of play. Logic, like, if you think about this at first, you think to yourself, Okada's just going to win. Right. They're gonna, they got him this far. They're going to have him break the record. But I wonder if they have him lose to not break his record but tie Hiroshi Tanahashi almost out of a sign of respect for what he's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, it would. here's the thing, too, and we talked about this on the last episode. We had a hard time figuring out the most likely scenario for Dominion. Um, if Tanahashi were to win, I could see a rematch at Dominion. Right. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I could see that all around. Um, the only other thing I could think of is Okada retains. Um, is it possible by Dominion time he could wrestle Suzuki? Maybe, but we've seen that match before. Suzuki just lost, well, the, you know, the I know, but belt. here's the like, problem. We've seen a lot of these matches before. There's yeah. like... Like, I don't know where you go, and we talked about this, uh, like, trying to, uh, I don't know if you put Coda in there or Kenny, or how that's all going to work, especially with the show coming up right after that in, in the U.S. Um, I I say Okada retains, and I think the number one reason he retains is I think once you get to the G1 special in America, you're going to have Okada defend the belt against Kenny. Now, whether or not Kenny wins is another discussion for another day, but I think that's the most likely scenario to, to try too. to... Because you have a fourteen or 15,000-seat arena in, a, in the United States. The best way to fill it up is to put Kenny Omega at the top of the card going for a title. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. So yeah. I'm going to say Okada wins, but I think it's going to be a hell of a match. I think you're probably right. Um, I think it is going to be a hell of a match. I, the only Here's, here's the counter-argument. If Tanahashi loses this match, and I know this is going to be a controversial statement, I don't buy Tanahashi in the G1. And the reason why I say that is, why would he possibly win? Like, why, yeah, I agree. What, what, what sense would it make for Tanahashi to look like a real threat in the G1? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the tournament, and I'm not saying that he won't, but I'm never going to look at Tanahashi as being anything more than a spoiler. Because I'm not going to buy yeah. him winning the tournament. Because why would he? Why would he drop this match, then go on to win the tournament just to get another title shot? Yeah. So I, I agree. I would rather if if Tanahashi loses this match, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if he started a, a little feud with Naito over the IC belt. Yeah. Or or even does something else. I wouldn't even mind if they put him with a tag partner and let him do that for a little bit. Sure. Take some of the wear and tear off him. But I agree with you because Hiroshi Tanahashi, nobody thinks is going to win the G1. Yeah, right, right. I completely agree. I completely and if he's agree. not going to win it, why put him in there? Because then he has to suffer losses. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, I mean, I think that, like I said, I, I, I think he's there to up, play spoiler. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point, and, and and I think that ultimately it's going to be it's going to be difficult to 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 kind of figure out um, where they go from here either way. Although I do think that the most obvious direction leading into the Cow Palace is for there to be the Okada Omega rematch. Um, I, I not only think that, I think you're going to have Okada and Omega for the, the IWGP title. Yeah. And I think the Young Bucks are going to get a tag team title shot. Yes. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think they're going to get a title shot versus um, Sonata and Evil if they're still the champs at that point. 
Yeah, I could absolutely see that being the because case. Because you would, need to fill that arena, and there's you need to fill that arena, and there's your big draws or those two guys, like that team and him. Not nothing against Okada and everything. You're gonna have a lot of fans that want to see Okada and see Tanahashi and everything. But you're you're trying to to fill that arena. You want to put your best card forward to do that, and that's got to be Kenny at the top of the card chasing a title. Whether yeah, or not he wins, is, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but for the sake of this argument, that's not what we're talking about. Right, right. No, so yeah, I think I think I think you're right. I think Okada does retain. I think it's what makes the most sense overall. I don't think that it it doesn't tarnish or hurt Tanahashi in the slightest. Um, so I, yeah, I, but I, I guess the weird thing is, is do we do we feel like it's odd to then have basically both the big title matches with the champs retaining? Um, I would say no. I would no, say it probably doesn't matter. We're we're talking about New Japan here. That I don't think that's outside the realm at all. No, because your you champions I mean? are champions for a reason, and they should look strong. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like we're going into Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion or something like one of the the big two with nothing. You know what I mean? Like I think right. you're going to get one of those titles change hands, or not, yeah. or not change. They could change hands at Dominion more likely than here. Yeah. Now I say that you're going to walk out with your champs being Kushida and Tanahashi, but. You know Which I mean. if they do, then I think we get, I, like, as crazy as it sounds, I think we get kind of like a special match of uh, Kushida versus Tanahashi, um, you know, non-title. Uh, because yeah. that's something that they've already kind of hinted at in some of those post-show interviews. Not to drag this out because we need to get on to the, the classic match thing, but is there a chance that after if Okada wins at some point, they elevate and you see Jay White go after Okada? He yeah. always talks about Okada and the leadership of Chaos. Like he, he there's no secret he wants to take over. Right. I think that's definitely where that's headed, without a doubt. That's where that okay. that, that it's just how fast yeah. uh, until we get there. Right. Right. I don't all see right. that like headline in the Tokyo Dome, but you know. No. No. But <laughs> all right. Well, that is our preview for Whew. both nights of wrestling Dantaku. Now we, we get have to talked a lot. Is, yeah. A lot of, yeah, a lot well, of road to Dantaku. It's been a, a lot to process. I mean, it, it calms down a little bit before the Super Juniors. Now we get to what is my favorite part of the show. Classic matches. Classic matches. Now, the three classic matches that were that were brought up. Uh, my pick was El Samurai versus Keiji Kanemoto. Koji Kanemoto. Yeah. Ke- Koji Kanemoto. I, uh, terrible. With the, from the best of the Super Junior, the, the finals of 97. Yeah. Um, your pick, well, you gave your pick to the fans, and I forget who it was, um, picked Okada versus Mirafuji. Yeah, King it was of Pro uh, Wrestling Ko- 20- Koku, no, wait. Um... Wasn't legible toe, was it? No, no, it was the other guy. So. It'll, yeah, we'll, we well, we mentioned it the last episode. We'll find it for the notes, um, and then Wilford, our buddy over again at www.njpw-us.com, uh, that blog, he gave us Okada Shibata from Sakura Genesis last year. They were our yes. three matches. It so was we, Stephen Rice, by the way, on Stephen Reddit Rice. that gave me the Marafuji Okada pick. Uh, so right, thank well, you, Stephen. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, no, we, and, we're and, not going to go into crazy amount of detail because we're running nah. long, but we do need yeah. to spend a minute or two on each match. Um, which one do you want to go with first? Do chronological order, man. Let's start with El Samurai Koji Kanemoto. Okay. This was my pick, and I picked this match because um, we talked about earlier. It was mentioned heavily when I read Chris Charlton's book, Lion's Pride, The Turbulent History of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. So as I was reading the book, when they brought up big matches, I was opening um, a, in, in my tablet. I was opening a notepad, and I was putting them down, and this was one that was on there. So when I was reading the book, I watched it, and I loved this match for a variety of reasons. So, And with the best of the Super Juniors coming up, I figured it was a good time to pick it. 
Um, what, the things I like about this is it's another match, kind of like the one I picked last week, where it, it starts out with this ground-based wrestling. Yes. They, they go back and forth. They're doing different transitions and different holds, and it's, it's a slower-paced match at the beginning. Then it picks up a little bit. You, you get them up. They're doing the strikes and the slaps back and forth, which is kind of a mainstay uh, of New Japan, you know. Um, El Samurai goes off the top rope and completely misses. Then you have, um, how do you say it, Kanemoto? Koji Kanemoto. Kanemoto. Kanemoto, um, I forgot where it was, Does, it puts, puts El Samurai in the tree of woe and drop kicks him, like a yeah. running drop kick. Then when he gets out of it, Samurai puts Kanemoto in the tree of woe and he does this sick, like, sliding drop kick right into his head twice. So you have this match, and now it's starting to pick up a little bit. Kanemoto starts kicking the ever-living shit out of El Samurai. Yeah, no so, respect. No, and, and when you watch, to me, Kanemoto kind of reminds me, the way he does the kicks and everything, reminds me of Shibata. Oh, without a doubt. Well, the thing that's it, interesting about both of those wrestlers is that Kanemoto did not, like, he eschewed the entire, um, uh, you know, he was not interested at all in being a character. He, that's yeah. why he wears the black shorts. That's why he does the, you know, he, he, he goes, because he, he originally was, he was Tiger Mask 3. And yeah. the thing is, is he, when he got rid of the mask, he went to the Young Lions gear, which is the same thing that Shibata did. So it was, yeah. yes, there's a similar track there. The thing that's also interesting about Kanemoto that I love, and it's one of the things that makes, when he does do like the moon salts or the big throws so important is that he does favor that ground-based attack the strikes he's such you know he's such an innovator i mean there's so much of what he does that we get to see even to this day whether it's you know the koji clutch or or like that overhead belly to belly which he's not necessarily the first person to ever do that don't get me wrong but there is no doubt yeah. that somebody like you know kurt angle whether we're directly influenced by koji kanemoto or influenced by people yeah. that were influenced by him it's without a doubt and so well, he does I, like, I love even kanemoto. his match like he does a real nice reverse German or release German suplex, like like, and then he's like kicking the shit out of Samurai's head, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Kanemoto goes for a moonsault. He misses the moonsault, but he lands on his feet, and Samurai hits him with this clothesline that looks like it's going to kill him. Yeah, like I love when a guy hits it with a clothesline and goes right up his feet and flips. Then Samurai suplexes him over the rope to the outside and does, like, your standard suicide dive through the ropes, which is a mainstay now. Like, when you watch Daniel Bryan had done it so much, but it was a little bit more dramatic at that point. Right, um, right. Kinomoto hits a German. He goes for the, an ankle lock, and then he puts him in his figure four, right? Yeah. Um, Kinomoto, he locks El Samurai up in the ropes. I forget what you call that, when your arms go in and it locks over, like Andre the Giant used to do it all the time. Right, right, right. And then he just unloads on him. Yeah. Like, he's just hitting him with everything but the kitchen sink. He comes off the ropes, though, and now Samurai gets off and hits him with this, like, uh, a pretty good forearm, right? Yeah. Then, what was one of the highlights for me is El Samurai hits him with back-to-back, like, spike DDTs. Yeah. Like, he DDTs him twice. And then he hits a diving headbutt on him, gets a two-count. Yep. Right? Now we strike into the part where Kanemoto just, I don't even know how to describe it. He does, like, a head kick, but he takes him down with it. Then he does, like, this flipping senton. And at this point, one of the cool things in the match matches, he decides he's going to take El Samurai's mask. Yeah, yeah. And El Samurai has one of those masks that's open at the top. It, it ties up the back, but the top is open. Right. And I don't know if he meant to do it or he just took it too far, but he screwed the mask up to the point where it first came down. You could see, it, like, from his nose up. Yep. Then in a couple minutes, like, the mask is basically gone. 
It's he, hanging yeah, around his neck his like the scarf. Totally. Like his face is totally exposed, and there's no way for him to fix it because the mask is all ripped up. So I, I don't know if that was the plan or if they he, it just ripped on them. I'm not exactly sure, but they're going back and forth. They hit a he hits a moonsault, Kenimoto, but El Samurai gets his knees up, and then he, uh, Samurai power bombs him twice. It's two of these power bombs right into an arm bar. And it's a cool visual because the mask is flipping around and, and, and you go this. But um, then Kenmoto hits this real nice, like, double underhook suplex for a two count. But then he winds up doing El Samurai does. And I guess the best way to describe it is it's almost like a scorpion death drop off the top rope. Yeah. I don't know if there's a better name for that. I have no idea. Then he hits a suplex. Then he hits his finishing move to win. And his finishing move is, I don't even know how you describe it. It's kind of like, I, I don't know, what would you call it? The, like, he um, picks him up. Uh, 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 it's, it's like a sort of high angle. I mean, it's almost, it's, it's very similar to the Bloody Sunday that uh, yes. Prince Devitt used to use. Because he, he gets him yeah. from behind and he picks them up, like picks up from the waist. So, but he, it's like a high angle, like, and he drops them straight back. But right. it was just, I don't know what, like, the, now this was my pick. I love this match. Had you seen this match previous? No, I had not, okay. actually. I had then not what, actually seen this Let me one. hear your, t- I gave a little rundown, but what's your feeling? Because I always find the dynamic here, especially if it's a match one of us picks that the other hadn't seen, to see yeah. what they what they thought. Because there's going to be matches that one of us picks and the other one don't like it as much. So here's, here's, here's what I think about it. I, I think that this match is incredible. I think it, it's one of the best Super Junior matches of the 90s. I, I think that... Koji Kanemoto is is one of my favorite uh, uh, guys, and uh, you know, I, like I said, I mean, I'd never seen this particular match, um, which is crazy because there's there's a lot of other stuff of his that I have seen. Um, but I, 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 I think that I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. Um, so for me, even in losing, you know, Koji comes out just looking so incredibly strong. I mean, there was that there was that super reverse Frankensteiner from the top rope. Oh that yeah, I forgot that. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, and, and again, he's the thing that I love is that he builds the match so perfectly. And and you know, and, and we've mentioned the book a couple of times, so why not go back to it again? But Chris Charlton talks about this with Koji in particular in his book about the way that he was able to build a match so realistically, starting off with the ground-based attack to the strikes, eventually leading to those big moves. I mean, he hits a moonsault in this match and it like pops the crowd because it's just sort of like we don't see him do this this often, you know. Not, not only he, he does a moonsault when he misses, he lands right on his feet. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's, a, it's some amazing stuff. I mean, yeah, and so he's just incredible. El Samurai is great, especially he's great at taking taking a you know beating, <laughs> yeah, and 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 sells like a million bucks. I mean, that's the other thing too. We we talked about it earlier when I was talking about Ishii. El Samurai's selling in this match is beautiful. There's never a point where he stops selling for one second. He's selling the knee. He's selling the arm. He's selling the yeah. neck. He's selling like he's always selling in spite of any move that he's doing. And there's po- there's points where like he's running the ropes and he's still like like limping. You know what I mean? It's it's just brilliant. And and I think that this is one of the key matches of New Japan. I I, I would urge people to watch it. I think that it tops 
um, you know, the, the Liger-Sasuke match. I think that Liger-Sasuke match that we talked about last time as far as classic matches is, is, is a classic for a reason, and everyone should see it. But I would say that this match is even better than that. The most amazing thing about this match to me is that this match, in many ways, feels a lot like what we get from heavyweight matches today in New Japan. Mm-hmm. And that, I to agree. me, is remarkable. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I'm glad you liked my selection. <laughs> so okay. next, next we'll go to um, uh, uh, this is going to be Marufuji, yeah, taking on Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Now, had this you match, seen this match? I had, I had. Okay, yeah. so, I had not. Uh, big. Uh, so, so um, I'll, I'll start off with this one. Uh, big Marufuji fan. I think that you know Marufuji is one of those wrestlers that, again, being a Noah fan uh, in the early days, seeing him go from being a junior heavyweight and being, quite frankly, probably the more remarkable of the two when it came to him and Kenta. Um, to see Kenta kind of maybe go a little further faster in spite of Marufuji probably being the more remarkable junior is an interesting transition. I mean, Kenta has a ton of charisma, um, you know, and now obviously he's Hideo Itami in in WWE. But anyway, I I think with Marufuji, his journey to this match, to the G1, pinning Okada in the G1 and then getting this title match because of that is remarkable in and of itself. The story they told within the match was incredible. And I love so much of what they did. There's a point where Marufuji like slams Okada's face into the post and then does like a super kick through the ropes into his face. And it's just brutal stuff. Some of the chops that Marufuji unloads during this match. I mean, you were talking about Hiromu's chops. I mean, my God, Marufuji's yeah. like trying to cave Okada's chest in. Um, the subtle, I mean, and not so I subtle. I even have written here, uh, Marufuji brutally wicked chops. Brutally. Yeah. Yeah, and at one point, at one point, like Marafuji hits the pile driver on the ring apron. Yeah, um, I mean, then just, he hits a drop kick off the top to him. Yeah, I mean, it's just some brilliant, brilliant stuff. Oh, there was this one amazing moment where uh, Okada goes for the rainmaker, and Marafuji turns around and hits the knee to the face, oh, which yeah. was just gorgeous. Um, but again, part of the story that they're telling with all of this match, uh, you know, were, were these well, yeah, because subtle... I even have I even have listed like written down. Okada goes for the rainmaker. Um, Marafuji reverses it almost into like a V trader. Yeah, exactly. Like the yeah. way he like he fired out, and then he hit him with a bunch more of them. And the knee strikes in the corners. Yeah, yeah. Then he, he hits... then he was hitting super kicks and. Well, he hits the Shiranui. Yeah, he hits a lot of these kicks. The other thing that was incredible, and this is the the subtle line of the story that I was starting to mention, is that Marafuji, obviously being a Noah guy, uh, it has that that background with Misawa. And you know, there's one point where Marafuji teases the Emerald Flosion, which was Misawa's finishing move, yeah. and can't get it. Okada counters, but then eats a kick to the face from Marafuji, and then eventually Okada hits this tombstone. It's incredible. The crowd is on fire. Then Okada, as if to say, fuck you to Marufuji, hits the Emerald Flosion on him and then hits the Rainmaker to retain. Yeah. Long story short, the description does not even do this justice. This is a match no, that great you match. should absolutely great go match. and check out. I mean, um, it's, yeah, it's incredible. A couple, Blow a couple points from, yeah, and a couple points from my end, having never seen this before. Um, I'm, if anybody who listens knows that when it comes to commentary, I'm a huge fan of Don Callis. Yeah, but when I watched this, I'm kind of glad that it was Steve Carino doing the the play by play or the color, because 
with, for me, having this is before I really got into New Japan wrestling, I don't have much of a backstory to this. And Carino does an excellent job, not only of, of telling you everything you need to know about Marafuji, that he could have went to other promotions, but he was incredibly loyal to Noah, and that Noah wasn't at the level of a New Japan at that point, but he still stayed with them. And there's the backstory that not long before that, Marafuji dominated Okada in a win in the G1. Yeah, exactly. So you have this whole dynamic at play. It made for a great... Uh, and, and the backstory helps. When you hear more about Marafuji and, and, and everything, it definitely helps play into the storyline. So I thought... And I thought Steve Carino did a great job. Now, I'm not saying I like Steve better than Don or anything, but he was more... He gave more historical information. Like, he talked about Mir- Mirasawa. He talked right. about the moves. Well, and that Carino, was a nice touch for somebody who hadn't seen it. Yeah, and Carino, you know, obviously I think had a little bit more experience in general, you know, having been wrestled on a couple of Noah shows. But the thing, the other thing that I will say about this match is that other than the Okada-Tanahashi matches, which I would even argue maybe more than those, this is, the, this is like one of the matches that really begins the like the the parade of greatness that we have seen yeah. from Okada. Well, you don't realize for, too it's Okada's first title defense that, right. in this reign that he has now cuz he exactly. just won the title at um Dominion, correct? Yeah, and he has to dig so incredibly deep to win this match and it and, and it helps to set the table for him and Omega cuz Omega even comes out afterwards and is like I'm going to dominate it, you, you're you a had, bitch, you know. If you had watched this match when it originally aired. Now we know now that he won and how long he held the belt for and everything, but Okada had held the belt three times previous, but he wasn't the dominating champion that he is on this reign. So when you watch this match, there's, you would think there's plenty of doubt as to who was going to win. Like, yeah. it would have been totally believable that Marafuji won this match. Like, if they had it now, you wouldn't think so because Okada's on this great run. But this was the very beginning of it. And the crowd was behind Marafuji. Yes, they were. Well, Okada was definitely healing it up here a bit, which I think transitioned us, you know, thinking of time here, transitions us nicely into our next classic match, which is Kazuchika Okada versus Katsuyori Shibata. our buddy Welford's pick. Right. And so this match, uh, you know, it's funny because the other two matches that we talked about are incredible matches and they are worth seeing and they are you know, probably two of the best New Japan matches of the past 25 years. They're that good. This match might be better than both of them. Um, I agree. This I don't ma- think it might be. I think it is better than both of them. And that's this, no knock on the other matches. No, and this match, I've seen it twice. I know there are a lot of people that have probably seen it more than that. I've seen it twice. The first time um, I saw it, I knew I knew what was coming with the headbutt because Shibata was still in the hospital at the time that I watched the match. It was hard for me to watch the match and pay attention to the full match. I liked it. I thought it was great. I love Shibata. I'm a big Shibata fan. Watching it this time around, and I actually watched it uh, yesterday or earlier today, and I have to say that watching it this time around, especially knowing that he's okay, I was able to... This match bumped up a notch in my eyes. It was even better. Um, yeah, because we know he, he's not dead. Right. Like if you, when you watch it, it was in the hospital. It was a little iffy. Um, this was the first time I sat down and watched the match in its entirety. I had seen parts of the match. I think I started it once and didn't finish. I had seen the, the spot with the headbutt before, but I never sat down and watched the whole match. Yeah. Um, and it was perfect because I actually watched it yesterday and I was the only one home because it's, it's almost a 40-minute match. Yeah. Um, but it was nice because I was, I was able to watch it without any distraction. Sure. And it's a 40-minute match that doesn't feel that long. Like, it doesn't drag. It does start out a little slow, but that's okay. It doesn't start out like at a snail's pace. It's just slower than, like, you know, it builds. But I, I enjoyed this match. 
Um, like you said, and in, in, in having known the outcome, like not even just the outcome of the match, but where Shibata is now and everything, still it's still difficult to watch that headbutt. Oh, the headbutt is yeah, the headbutt's excruciating. The sound to watch. that, I mean, but like it gets, we get into an, an, an you can a discussion here. I mean, it's pretty reckless move, isn't it? Because what? Okay, now he injured himself like that. What if he had the, the, hit that headbutt and did the same exact thing to Okada? Yeah, no, I agree. I completely. I agree. mean, I don't think they did it without Okada saying it was okay. Right, but, right. I mean, it was a pretty brutal shot on himself. You well, know? And, you know, one of the things that, that people talk about too is that it's not even just the headbutt; the strikes that they lay in with one another. I mean, my God, like they're they're beating the hell out. And, of oh, and, and we should say for anybody if if you're new and you don't know what we're talking about, there's a point late in this match, and uh, like I said, it's almost a forty minute match, so they're going through, and the strikes in this match and the moves are stiff. Yeah. Like, they're really lacing into each other, which is fine. I mean, I think this was Shibata's big moment to shine, and he was going to go all out. But I don't know. It's got to be a half hour into the match. Shibata takes and just headbutts him. Cause, yeah. Um, he well, goes Okada, for, Okada hits, like, a really weak Rainmaker, and, and Shibata yeah. basically just turns around and just, yeah, just literally just, I mean, it is. It is just a— It's squared on head-to-head. Yeah. And it sounds like a it sounds like a baseball getting hit, and and it splits Shibata open. He's bleeding almost immediately, bleeding right from the out forehead. of his forehead. Yeah, and yeah. it's not he's bleeding the hard way. It's not a cut or like a a, a blade job or anything like that. Right, he is bleeding straight down his head. And as the match progresses, the last minute, the last couple of minutes, you could see the effect it's starting to take. Now you don't realize how messed up he might be because he's selling moves and everything. But when he the match is over and he's getting to the back and he won't take help and he's stumbling. That's legitimate. He yeah. was messed up. Um, it's it, you know we're not going through every single match, but it is a hard hitting. The strikes in this match on both sides are vicious. Yeah. There's one point where they're hitting each other with forearms, and the sweat is spraying off them, like in the, the thuds that they're making. Right, they're which not, I think that is important to note too, because it was arguably, well, arguably speaking with Shibata that the, the, the head injury in and of itself would have been horrible, but mm-hmm. the doctors have already said that what compounded it all was the level of dehydration that he was facing and yeah. just seeing the sweat just pouring off of his body. It's like clearly he was dehydrated and even more importantly, he was dehydrated by the time he hit the headbutt. which anybody who knows anything about the brain, like, I, I mean, dehydration will have a profound effect on the brain as, as well as other parts of the body. And, and so by, by, you know, causing the hematoma that he caused, in addition to being dehydrated, it made things even worse. So while the headbutt it was was awful and should be decried, and that spot should not be repeated, even though we do get we do see yeah, things like that. Yeah, I'm not still trying happen. to rag on him, but it shouldn't. We shouldn't do. I never see that again. Right, right. So well, I mean, it's only a year, but what we know about head head injuries that's like why you still see chairs in wrestling, but you don't see chair shots to the head. Yeah, which is right. why such a made a big such a, a big deal was made about when um, Sammy Callahan screwed up the bat the bat shot and hit Eddie Edwards right in the face with it. Right, but right. You got to be a little bit more careful with the head. But an incredible match, and it's great to watch. But it's also it's disheartening to watch because you watched how great Shibata was, and he was finally at a point where I think he was going to get that big push. Oh yeah, and and to have this happen to him is well, just even- unfortunate. 
even the finish of the match, and this is one of the this is the genius of Okada, and it's true about the Marafuji match, it's true about the Omega match, like all of it is that again you you believed that Shibata could win. I mean, in the, in the finishing stretch, like Shibata hits a choke suplex, he slaps the shit out of him, he throws a kick to the chest, and then all of a sudden Omega comes at and hits like another kind of weak desperation rainmaker, and then it hits a second one to get the pin. So it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, man, the title was definitely in jeopardy, and it, so it told a beautiful yeah. story. If you watch that match, I mean, it's it's a little difficult watching now knowing who's going to win. But there was plenty of times if you were watching it, like, I would have thought that Shibata was going to win. Yeah. And honestly, I, if you told me he won, it would have made a lot of sense. And the, the crowd was behind him. It was his moment. He had just won the New Japan Cup. Well, then, like you said, that's the beauty of Okada and, and Ghetto, the way they, they, they perform, book and perform. Like, even when he's on this historic run, there's always moments when you get the feeling that, like, this he actually could lose. Right. And the other thing I think that's important to note, too, here is the dynamic between Okada and Shibata and the fans. Okada was the heel in this match, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, he's a son of a bitch throughout the course of this match. Which and is Shibata, a, a, the fans are so behind him. They're chanting his name. Shibata was just like... It, it was it was a really really great. I mean, there's times when Shibata was like, you know, basically hit me, you know, hit me. Like yeah. I I can take your best shot. And it's an amazing dynamic because for if you don't know too, Shibata was was handpicked. Like when they came through the JoJo system, him Nakamura and Tanahashi were dubbed the the, th- the new three musketeers. The yes, new musketeers. They were going to be the three that were going to lead New Japan because people don't realize, and they even comment on it in the match. Kevin Kelly does that at that time frame. New Japan wasn't in the shape they are now. They, no, it was some no, dark days, and those were the three that were going to lead them out of it. Yeah. And Shibata kind of turned his back on the company. He did. And he said he didn't. Did, he, he didn't yeah, want to be, want a, to be fake a fighter. Salary. Basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, there was a lot of people that resented him for it. Yeah. And I read a. It's, I read. I don't know if it was in um, Chris Charlton's book or something else that the owner, when they got sold to Bushi Road. He brought back Shibata without even telling without Ghetto telling or anybody. Yeah, yeah, anybody. And when yeah, he was, came back, he brought Shibata and Sakuraba at the same time. Yeah, there was a lot of people in the locker room that didn't want anything to do with Shibata. Tanahashi like was one of the big ones. Tanahashi yeah. did not want him there. He had to like earn his way back in, and it feels like he he finally did and got over like with everybody in the good graces and and was primed, and then had this horrific injury to just yeah. end his career now because well, he has that famous match with Tanahashi where they both break down crying and hug afterwards and it's like that yeah, was, it was all like, real you know that yeah, was all it was real the, emotion um so it, but the side note too is now they have um Shibata is in charge of the dojo, the dojo in, in the US in La- yeah. yeah the US dojo in Los Angeles so it's good that the company's sticking with them and is helping them through this and um it's just unfortunate. You never want to see anybody's career end prematurely for injuries. I mean, we had talked about it so much with Daniel Bryan in, in the U.S. that it sucked and everything. He had just gotten his big moment. But, yeah, here's a situation where he's not going to be able to come back because they said something like this could happen to him at any point if he wrestled again. Yeah. So, yeah. but all in all, it's a fantastic match. Um, not that I always judge them on this, but Melcher did give it five stars, and, and it's understandable. And the amazing thing about this match is if you take this match almost any other time, it's the match of the year. Yeah, Melcher's even and said that. Melcher's even said without Omega and Okada, this is a legit match of the year contender. Yeah, and it adds is, to the idea that last year could legitimately be the greatest year in professional wrestling. Well, you have a match that we're matches. talking about is a five-star match in, in any other year, maybe in New Japan history. It could be the match of the year. It could be the match of the year any time. And the year it happened, it was only the third highest rated match of the year. 
right. which is an amazing, amazing thing if you think about it. Like, the, the match quality we got in 2017 is probably never going to be able to be duplicated. Yeah. I mean, you have the same guys, and they're capable of it, but to have that many matches... Although, I will say this, if you take wrestling as a whole, there's been six Meltzer five-star matches already this year. Three in the WWE system and three in New Japan. So we'll see where it goes, but 2017 was just an incredible year, and this was an incredible match. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. So uh, what's our classic matches for next? Why don't you go first? All right, so uh, I'll go with the, the the fan pick and our and my pick. So the fan pick is going and to be I have a, match. a backup in case one of them get picked. <laughs> Sweet. So the fan pick, uh, which is a great match, and this comes from Cyber Dog Meat uh, user nice. on Reddit, nice. uh, is actually the uh, Shinya Hashimoto versus Keiji Muto from the 1995 G1 Climax. You know uh, what? I looked what? at that. I don't think that match is on New Japan. Is it not? No. It's a G1 um, match, though. I know, but if you look, I think they were on TV, because I was going to pick that match. Um, I could be wrong. Actually, I don't know. We'll have to look, because I was going to pick a G1 match of uh, KG Mudu versus Vader from the G1 Climax, and it wasn't on there. The only match was on there was the final. Well, damn. Well, all right. Well, well, give it well, out hey, anyway, you know, and then a, if yeah. it's there. Right. It might be. I could be wrong other people other people can you know there, there's there's other ways to watch the match if need be um so uh so yeah so that would be the the, the fan pick that we had from cyber dog meat user on reddit the mudo the mudo the mudo hashimoto match by the way is on new japan world it is august 15th 1995 yeah g1 climax championship game keiji mudo versus uh, shinya hashimoto yeah yeah uh, the match that I am going to pick is uh, from 2004, and that is going to be uh, the um, Kinsuke Sasaki Yuji Nagata match. And that match is from the Tokyo Dome, January 4th, 2004. That's pre Wrestle Kingdom, but still a dome show. Uh, it is a brutal match. I've been on a Nagata kick recently and uh, just wanted to check this one out and add it to the conversation. Uh, if you're not a fan of blood, you might want to steer clear of this one because there is quite a bit of it, and that might be an understatement. Um, there's, yeah, if. if if you don't want to see Nagata get color, uh, I mean, both of them do, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty brutal and, uh, still a great match showcases Nagata and Sasaki very well. And, uh, I, I really like the finish quite a bit, even if it is a little, um, stomach turning for some, I would imagine. Uh, and then the, uh, funny thing about that is that was actually going to be one of Paul's picks as well. We don't discuss the picks beforehand. We actually just do them live on the show. So he didn't know that I was going to pick this. Uh, and I didn't know that it was one of his picks either. So we always have a backup. Uh, and since I kind of stole this one out from underneath of him, he ended up picking, um, the uh, Prince Devitt Kota Ibushi match, also from the Tokyo Dome, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 8. So uh, he joked about the fact that all his picks so far have been junior matches, but this is uh, my fault because I uh, I snuck the Nagata Sasaki match in there. But it, it's a fantastic match. Uh, I'm a big fan of this match. I mean, I, I love Devitt or Finn Balor. I mean, whatever you want to 
call him now. Obviously, he'll always be Devitt to New Japan Pro Wrestling fans. Uh, and, of course, Kota Ibushi is incredible. It's a great match, and uh, I, I think it's definitely worthy of being in our classic match picks. And as far as the junior matches that we've had, I think it's an interesting contrast and, and nice sort of there's there's a good thread, if you will, between like the, the Liger, um, um, Sasuke, and then El Samurai, Koji Kanemoto matches that we've discussed as junior matches in the classic matches, you know, into this Prince Devitt Kota Ibushi match. So looking forward to talking about that. Uh, speaking of which, we have really enjoyed the opportunity to talk with listeners about these matches. Um, We've done almost all of that exclusively on Reddit so far over at the NJPW subreddit. Uh, I'm on there as user Tiger Samurai. Uh, it's an old gamer handle that's stuck. Anyway, uh, it's been a lot of fun chatting about that. Uh, I don't always mention the podcast when I'm on there, but obviously when we're talking classic matches, I'll just create a post and you know say KOPW classic match discussion. So certainly looking forward to having that conversation um, about these matches and would love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, of course, you know, if you're not on Reddit or, or you'd rather reach out to us in another way, uh, please check us out on Twitter at KOPW72. Let us know what you think of these matches or anything that we've talked about. It doesn't obviously have to be strictly related to the classic match stuff. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything New Japan Pro Wrestling related, whether it's something we've talked about on the podcast or if it's a question for us, um, even if it's something that we don't necessarily know the answer to. It's not like we're insiders or anything. We'll certainly endeavor to, to get an answer out there. Uh, we you know love anything that stimulates discussion or if you disagree with us if there are you know comments that you want to make please feel free to do that um, you know we're well aware that there are some folks out there that have not been a huge fan of some of these Dantaku shows um, or some of the matches that you know that like Paul and I liked so you know we were always happy to hear uh, contrary opinions and, and critiques and we welcome any of that feedback uh, in addition to our Twitter handle at KOPW72 we also have our Facebook Facebook page, King of Pro Wrestling Podcast, and of course the uh, email account, which is kingofprowrestling72 at gmail.com. So please feel free to reach out to us, give us a follow, uh, and please hit those uh, likes and subscribes on iTunes, give us a review, let us know what you think. Um, we, you know, we're really kind of in such a early stage here of the podcast. And even though I've done podcast work before, um, I, I know that there's a lot to be learned, especially when we're talking about something like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, we're by no means experts, although we, we certainly pride ourselves in, in knowing what we know and trying to learn as much as we possibly can to give you the best possible podcast that we can. Uh, and certainly I think that there have been quite a few uh, New Japan related podcasts that have popped up since the New Japan Purocast. Um, you know, has gone on hiatus or disappeared. Um, if it's the end, we don't really know for sure. But Colin and Damon were great, and we just decided that uh, you know let's let's take a stab at this and see where we go. So uh, we're completely open to feedback. We're just two guys. We're not part of a network. We don't have anybody else backing us up. We are just two guys out here who love professional wrestling and love New Japan Pro Wrestling and love being able to interact with other fans and have conversations and talk about what we love. So. 
hit us up. And uh, in the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we will be coming at you soon with uh, more New Japan Pro Wrestling coverage. We'll be talking the Wrestling Dantaku shows. We've got the huge matches, Kushida and Osprey, and of course, uh, another chapter, potentially, maybe, you know, not the final chapter, but perhaps one of the, uh, uh, you know, last stops along the way in Okada and Tanahashi. Will this be the match where Okada seals his legacy by making the most successful title defenses of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship? Or will Tanahashi, the ace, play spoiler and reclaim that title um, to give himself perhaps one last run? Who knows? Uh, It'll be interesting to say the very least. I'm sure it will be a memorable match. They are experts at creating memories and telling wonderful stories, so I have no doubt that we're in for one hell of a ride. Uh, Also, check out the bonus episode. Unfortunately, it was a glitch in the system, so it did not actually go and drop the way that we had hoped. But if you're interested at all in women's pro wrestling, uh, I attended Rise and Shimmer a couple weeks ago and also got an interview with the ballsy badass Shotzi Blackheart. And that show um, goes pretty much in depth and detail into those shows. And then it's got the interview with uh, Shotzi on there as well. She was a lot of fun to interview. If that's not your bag, don't worry. We are committed to being a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, but with all these wonderful opportunities to talk about other things, uh, it's fun to be able to drop the bonus episodes. I'm going to get out of here now, but for Paul and I, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.